Hello and welcome to the Weird Geeks Horror Show where every Friday we'll be covering another installment in a classic horror franchise. Go to weirdgeeks.com and weirdgeeks on iTunes to check out our other podcast series, social medias, Twitch streams, contact details and news on our very own feature films, albums, shorts and more that are currently in production for our publisher, We Are Tessellate. Weird Geeks is not affiliated with any of the rights holders of the films referenced and no infringement is intended. Geeks! Geeks! Hello and welcome back to the Weird Geeks Horror Show where every single Friday we take you through another installment in the classic horror retrospective franchise. I'm your host Al White and joining me through all the Conjuring Universe films has been Alexander Chard. Hi, I'm having some equipment issues but i'm fine hello serious problems <laughs> and shannon holland hola i say every single friday we missed last friday in a rare occurrence we had to take a break uh, i got quite ill we weren't able to reschedule and uh, i apologize but hey we're back now and we will be back next week with the next show which we're going to be talking about at the end of this Ooh. episode revealing what it is but until then, guys, we did it. We got through all the Conjuring films. Shannon now took the two <laughs> horror shows. Um, it, sh- it, should be, it should be made clear, by the way, basically three, because her first show was a slasher retrospective from the 80s, and she had to watch two films per fucking episode for that. Yeah, mm. I so. am a rock star, and I don't like scary <laughs> movies. Yeah, and, and, you know, the good thing for you to know is that there will be more films in this universe. So many more. <laughs> so many more and we'll get no! to that as we get to the end of this uh, if you're new to us if you're new to us those are the dulcet tones of Shannon's singing voice uh, <laughs> I am a voice teacher <laughs> please head on over to weirdgeeks.com where you can patch out to all of our social medias and all of our previous shows we've done like 500 of them who knows nobody's counting yeah. certainly nobody's listening So, um, <laughs> and you can also go to Weird Geeks on all the social medias now just Weird Geeks don't worry about that show at the end of it and you can send us your comments you can bug us about stuff tell us why we're fucking idiots or email us mail at weirdgeeks.com or inf- uh, no fuck you at weirdgeeks.com and also please super important go to iTunes type in Weird Geeks find us subscribe rate us it's the only way you can support us uh, we don't do any patrons we don't do any banner ads and for the love of god we're not going to try and sell you any earthquake kits Oh, you should mm. get one if you live in LA. But which room do you put it in? That's the problem. Get multiple. Because what if it's not the... You need one for every single room. That's the problem with an earthquake kit. Because if it's in the adjacent room and you get, you're get you stuck in one room, what are you going to do? Well, maybe, maybe that's God. <laughs> <laughs> that is the face of God. <laughs> yeah. That is the big guy or girl intervening and saying, ah. You're so well. It's the problem because people keep telling get an earthquake quits and I got one, but our house, you know, this sounds like a dickish thing to say, but our house is big enough that I don't know which room to put it in or what floor to put it on because it's going to be, if we have a problem, like you don't even need it in your room. Mm-hmm. You need it within reaching distance at all times. Well, maybe get you should have got a it. tiny house. <laughs> Did you think about that? You could, you could speak. You have a fucking house, which is also enough trouble if you have an yeah. earthquake. So. Yeah. I mean, Where are you going to put it? I mean, you gotta strap it to your thigh or something. Just have it on you. <laughs> well, that's what I, I mean. I'm, I'll do you one better. I have an earthquake kit, and I was out of town for the second earthquake. James was here, and I was like, "Sweetie, just so you know, there's an earthquake kit, but I can't remember where I put it. <laughs> <laughs> so, look around for it. It's somewhere. I don't know. I stuck it in some closet." <laughs> 
Good luck. I love that the majority of an earthquake kit is three things. Number one, here's a torch so you can see, oh, yes, I'm in an earthquake. Number two, here's some water. And number three, here's a little snack bar because in case you get hungry. My my hunger level is probably going out the window if I'm in an yeah. earthquake, to be honest. Yeah. Anyway. All right, we had to talk about the Conjuring universe. We've done all of those movies so far. What we're going to do, if you're new to us, is we're going to be recapping each of them very briefly, our thoughts on each, so you don't have to listen to our two and a half hour episodes. But why you wouldn't? Because they're such a delight. I don't oh, know. Delightful. All right. Also, Shannon, who isn't, if you're new to us as well, is is not a fan of the Spookies. Uh, Alex has been keeping a jump count for her throughout this series. We'll be getting into that a little bit later, but if you want the in-depth jump counts, you're going to have to listen to those independent episodes. That's where all the good morsels are. Mm -hmm. But guys, okay, so The Conjuring. Let's go through. It started in 2013. Uh, The Conjuring 1, it was budgeted to 20 million. Uh, Actually, no, you know what? you know what I want to do quickly? I'm going to leave out the budgets and the box offices for now because I've got a little... We've got kind of three little games we're going to play this episode. Ooh, oh, you anyway. sneaky little devil. Ooh. <laughs> Conjuring 2013 started everything. James Wan coming hot off the back of Insidious, which we, me and Alex will be including in our wrap-ups as we put, place every film in order. We've put ourselves through all four Insidious movies. Because <laughs> we're nuts. <laughs> Oh, I got some things to say. Because we covered the first three on the Conjuring episode of the first three Insidious movies, I should say. So if you want to hear me and Alex's full opinions on those, you can hear it there. Uh, We haven't talked about The Last Key, really, so we'll get to that later. Mm -hmm. You won't hear my opinion on those because I don't do extra credit. She didn't want the extra homework. No more. Mm -hmm. Loves the spooky so Mm -hmm. much. Yeah, anyway. They bring him over, Mr. James Wan. He's had a budget of about, was it a million on the first Insidious, wasn't it? It was ridiculously small. Yeah. Um, then I think it went up to four million on Insidious 2. Comes over to Conjuring. I will say this for this one. Yeah, 20 million budget. So like this huge step up. Basically, do the spookies you're doing over there that's making loads of money, but let's do it bigger. We brought Shannon in with this was our interpretation. <sighs> this was probably the scariest one. I still stand by that. For me, this is still the spookiest one. I get why a lot of people... People seem to... Like the Twitter feedback i see from genre fans tends to be they either really love the conjuring or they really hate it Mm. like there's not much in the middle ground you know Mm. whereas i'm i love it but with the caveat of this is a stupid funfair ride you know this is just a roller coaster i don't like the ending it gets too twee yeah i'm not a big fan of the possession stuff personally but there are some cool bits like the bag over her head when it rips and all that shit but i really really just enjoy this movie i think like vera famiga who's always great patrick wilson not always great but he's a cool he can be great I think they're both are great leads, and you got fucking the Ron Livingston. You've yep. got a nice, simple setup. I think it's a nice budget where it's not too much, but not too little. You know, mm-hmm. where James Wan can show off with some of his weird, cool camera moves and steady cam shots and stuff, but not get too crazy with it. And there's not too much CGI either. Like I just, I really enjoy this movie, even though it's not for me what I'd call a classic. If you know what I mean? Hmm. Like it's not quite up there with the greatest horror films ever made. But it is one when people like look back at this decade and like, what were the best horror films? That's one that I would put in there. Hmm. But are any of these films uh, yeah. in the greatest horror films that he made? No, no, that's what I'm going with. Yeah, we'll get there. Yet to be determined. <laughs> but yeah, um, I, I agree Alex. with you, Al. Like, looking back over some of these films and some of the moments in these films to prepare for this wrap up, yeah, it was really, it made me realize how much I enjoyed The Conjuring and how much I think James Wan. Der- directing in this is possibly above anything else in this series for this like this particular film i think this i think he really honors the the 70s 
aesthetic, both like cinematically and narratively. But I think he has a level of invention that very makes that, that makes it very contemporary and makes it his own, which I think uh, you sort of see a lot of the other films in this series kind of striving for. So, so that's that's one of the main draws for me of, of why I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I feel yeah, I, I, I really like like this film. I mean, to be fair, I don't enjoy any of these films. <laughs> if I wasn't watching, if I wasn't watching for this podcast, I would not choose to ever watch them. <laughs> so, like that kind of covers all of them for me. <laughs> but that being said, I do think. James Wan does some really cool stuff in this film. I agree. I really hate the ending. As we talked about in that podcast, the ending is based on the fact that this is, you know, strong quotations based on a true story, right? So nobody can die, right? But I think it would be so much better if they did, just in terms of it being a horror movie and all that stuff. I But I think what's really cool is James Wan sets up some really inventive, fun things uh, that are going to be the cornerstone of this Conjuring universe. And he's doing it in this film without knowing where this is going, right? Or what the potential could be. And I think that's really cool. The fact that in this film, mm-hmm. he's setting up things that are replicated throughout the entire universe. And that wasn't necessarily the intention. It's just good directing. Yeah, yeah I think you're right. Yeah, two really good points that we should point out again, if people are new to us and haven't listened before. Like one, yeah, one of the things you're talking about here is he's, beginning this thing of let's have uninterrupted most of these films are in one location Mm -hmm. so let's have an uninterrupted shot introducing these pretty large casts normally and the location so we understand the geography and the things we can play with and then what he's really great with is yes setting up here's all the different things that where fear is going to come from be afraid of this tree be afraid of this basement be afraid of this mirror box Mm -hmm. be afraid of like this cupboard you know all these different things and you don't know where for sure stuff is going to happen and it's great misdirection and great sort of building of of the suspension and yeah the 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 other thing you mentioned is the true story thing which again i don't want to hammer on about it anymore i'm not going to but again if you're new to us we should say these are based on the warren's true stories and yeah but in the conjuring there's a lot of again listen to the episode you can find out what's true and what's not Uh, but in the conjuring it's not quite as terrible once you get to the conjuring 2 i think it's unethical yeah i really do how they're painting these people to be these heroes where they were pretty much uh you know without a doubt hoaxes who were just trying to make money out of situations which you know yeah i i that's it is it is for me just to make it clear it's been difficult for me to shrug that off but the less that they're in the films the easier it is for me and a lot of these films the warrens aren't in at all the majority they're not in it at all so it's only really in these mainline conjuring movies that that becomes something i have to consider yeah for me it's it's something from that first film that i detached from pretty quickly and sort of, I just, I, I sort of just took that the based on a true story as a kind of with a grain of salt in the sense that it's such a horror trope in movies now to to say that even if it isn't true and it's you know I'd rather I'd rather not have skepticism about that and watch this film and just enjoy it as a as a piece of fiction anyway and then no, sure. the, the war and stuff outside of that like you can read it and yeah it is what it is. <laughs> You take it. It's more for those families. Again, for the Conjuring family, I think it was the parents, wasn't it? It, It's not quite as terrible for them. But for someone like the Conjuring 2, that family is like, no, these people turned up for one day and told, (laughs) like, made trouble and told us how we could just make money out of this. And now you're painting them as the center of this story. You know, that's 
something which I think is frustrating. My issue with The Conjuring 2, uh, I'll get to it when we speak about it, I guess. Okay, so the year, literally just a year later, 2014, Annabelle came out. This movie was not, again, James Wan's, he's involved with all these, but he's only directed The Conjuring and The Conjuring 2. Fuck me, man. This movie, such a nosedive after The Conjuring. Like, oh, yeah. it's, it, we'll get to the budgets later, but like a lot, lot, lot less money than The Conjuring, but that shouldn't always matter with horror. You can do smart things with it, but it just feels like a TV movie from yeah. the actors to the directing to the lighting. There's some weird editing in there. Annabelle's not used very well at all. There's one kind of cool bit, which is really just in the setup of it, mm-hmm. I guess, yep. when you have the murders happening. Yeah. The Sharon Tate murders, I guess, but it's just not really the Sharon Tate murders. Well, and there's weird, that elevator like, scene that we James Wan directed. Yes. And that's a cool scene. That's true. That's true. There's a couple of little tiny highlights mm-hmm. in here. And I will say, yeah, as we will get to our spookiest moments later, but going through the supercuts, I was blown away by how many fucking cool little moments there are through this entire like franchise. Yeah. And some of them yeah are in this film. But it's a it's a bad film. Yeah. I, you're right. It feels like a TV movie. The acting is terrible casting like truly terrible casting because i think there could be something there like it was scary to me especially in that setup where we have based on like the sharon tate murders and all of that you have it's the only one in this where you have like a kind of home invasion story right so you and that is its own horror genre itself so you have like this cool opportunity to blend spookies and like real scary home invasion-y stuff. What happens when a spirit invades your home in a mm. real way as opposed to like, oh, we bought this house and weird things are happening. But like somebody came in to murder you <laughs> and dies and then never leaves. Right. And it just it falls really, really flat because the things that I found scary about it were all the home invasion stuff was the fact that like we're focusing on this young mother who's a home alone a lot. There's so much you can do with that, but she's so ungodly terrible <laughs> that it just oh, tanks yes. it. <laughs> yeah, I thought, you know, I had seen Annabelle Creation before I'd seen this and really enjoyed that. So I, I was thinking, OK, great. This is going to be something sort of similar to that. I'm going to get a bit more story. And yeah, this is just such a a terrible, really bad film. And when I think about it, it really surprises me that with how poor this film is, that the people financing these films and James Wan himself as producer were still able to go, okay, it's all good. Like, let's let's keep pushing forward. power on. Yeah. (laughs) Like, let's push forward. It'll come together. It'll fall into place. Like, the ideas are all still there. Which I think is incredibly brave. Well, you have to... I mean, I do... Sorry, I've been going back and forth with the budget stuff, but I can say the budgets. It's just I don't want to talk about the box office too much yet. But 6.5 million, you know, it was a cheap enough movie. Yeah. And obviously, it made decent money. So, like, I think it's not... The quality, sure, from critic reviews and stuff is pretty clear. And you do want to balance both of that with a franchise, but they're still pulling in people. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah. And, you know, going back... And and seeing some of the cuts of, of the different scares and stuff, yeah, there are some there are some cool moments for me. Yeah, the highlight is definitely the sort of almost kind of like an homage to Rear Window, the murder mm-hmm. across uh, yeah. the neighbors. Like I remember when that when we were watching it and that moment happened, it really caught me by surprise, and I thought it was really clever, and it sort of gave me high hopes for the rest of the film. <laughs> Another moment I actually liked going back, cutting back to it was. Um, 
there's a scene in the apartment where the little girl is yes. running towards running towards the woman and the door starts to slowly close and then as she pushes through it's it's like the grown up yeah I love that scene too. Going back and watching, rewatching those supercuts, I had the exact same thing. And it made me realize, oh, the reason this movie sucks is because that actress is fucking terrible. Because she's behaved like (laughs) that. You have this really cool moment of this little girl, this scary like little girl, Annabelle, coming at you. And then she transforms into the woman that was trying to murder you. And she's behaving as though a bee is in the room. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. it's insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think that's, you know, it's a direction as well. And the story's all over the place. But yeah, it has a few cool moments like here and there. Mm -hmm. Then they took a year off and then came back in 2016 with The Conjuring 2, budgeted at 40 million, doubling the original. (laughs) That is insane. That is insane. Yeah, he had just done it. He'd just done, um, is this just, yeah, this is just after his Fast and Furious, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that would be because it was just uh, after that Paul Walker died. And he, um, he came back. showing off basically he does like that opening shot again winding through the location now in england set around the enfield uh, poltergeist um which is one of england's biggest supposed hauntings but also pretty much definitively proven to not be true uh as we get into in the episode with those great photos of girls jumping off beds and the interview uh, oh oh and that interview yeah oh that God. interview so so before we were talking about the warrens and and how that's kind of tainted some of your feelings on these films the conjuring 2 for me is in some ways really been tainted by the interview with those girls that old bbc interview yeah like i can't watch it now and just think oh my god they were just pulling everyone's leg like, yeah. yeah like it was so I mean, that, deliberate that's, but that's the problem with all this stuff is like if you see a spooky movie that's based on nothing you can still find it spooky whereas if you see a spooky movie based on something real you want to believe it's real even though you don't really want to believe it's real mm-hmm. but for it to be effective and then you look up anything about it and you're like oh yeah <laughs> it makes the movie worse yeah it really does um, but this is like this is a f- this is a fucking expensive fun uh you know sh- like very uh jazzy kind of horror film like it goes yeah. crazy with the camera movements everything's very slick there's a lot mm-hmm. of effects here sometimes they work great there's uh they introduce the nun here they introduce the crooked man here there's moments where those things work well there's moments where they look pretty terrible to be honest although i did just see some behind the scenes footage of the crooked man is like an actual costume that someone's in it's pretty crazy oh yeah and they kind of add to it with cgi yeah it's um isn't um oh god i forgot the actor's name the guy that does the guy that was tristana in wreck and- yeah I think you're it's right. It's him. He's playing it him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. This is a movie where when I came back to it, I think I was hoping I was going to enjoy it more than I did. I have quite a few problems with it. Again, particularly with these endings. Like there's a lot of religious Ugh. things in these films, obviously. And the endings get like a bit too much for me. And I do think this one's, if the first one's a roller coaster, this is yeah. Yeah. going from a, this is going from like a small local roller coaster in the first film to a fucking Six Flags, yeah. you know, like here's <laughs> yeah. all the special pirate connect. Yeah. Wow. I think this Kinetics. one really sets up that you're on a scary funhouse roller coaster vibe that we see repeated over and over again in like the most successful of the franchise, you know, or at least mm-hmm. where they're going now too. Cause I think yeah. that was clear and Annabelle comes home and all that sort of stuff too. So this one really is like, okay, we are on, you know, not like the log flume, <laughs> the like crazy Superman, whatever ride, like you were saying. Yeah, it totally, it sort of, yeah, it, it turns up the dial, doesn't it? Like, mm-hmm. if you compare it from 
from Annabelle, it definitely turns up the dial because it's sort of like that was just poor in every department. And yeah. then the elements with the conjuring too, uh, the conjuring, which I think still there was a sense with the conjuring. It was always, it was always trying to ground itself. Mm-hmm. You know, it was about the family in that house and it was constantly trying to, to ground itself in that, which is what I really liked. But this one, yeah, it's it, it's so like, I guess like you said, Al, it's just so jazzy. And you're right, Shannon, this sets it up of like, okay, from now on, we're going to give you yeah. a ton of scares. We're going to give you interesting, crazy characters <laughs> you're not going to expect. My literal nightmares. Yeah. But there are some like, yeah, there are some really flashy moments in here. But there's sometimes some of the simplest is still the most effective, like the bit where a moment that I really love in this film. And it's not even necessarily a scare, but it's just James Wan's directing. It's when the little boy goes to bed and he thinks mm-hmm. he hears something from his little tent. And yep. we kind of pan with the mm-hmm. boy as he looks in and then we pan back with the boy. And then the camera moves on its own back to the tent. And like, it just kind of like, <gasps> just the way that he directs that narratively is really, really interesting. And we have uh, like he, the introduction of the nun and all that sort of stuff. And I think she's scarier here. Than she is, yeah, in absolutely. The nun. Yeah, until she dissolves at the end in CGI. So this was the beginning of your nun nightmares, then. Was yes, it then? yes, like, it was. This is really where things got bad for you. This is where it all began, and this is where I believe I turned to you and I said, "I thought you said The Conjuring was the scariest. Go fuck yourself." <laughs> Something to that effect. Yeah, well, that second part of the sentence is you know, powerful, of course. Yeah. The thing that does happen here, though, is because it's now, I guess, firmly establishing that okay, this is going to be a series of films that we're going to create this kind of universe. You, you start getting the slight sort of contradictions that you get when people are building these things Mm -hmm. of just like the law of like possession and how does it work i think we get into it in the conjuring 2 podcast about some of those contradictions about what patrick wilson uh, says in in the first one about possession and and demons and how they act and what they're trying to do Mm -hmm. versus what's happening here where it's valak conjuring yeah like has some personal vendetta against lorraine and ed and is therefore possessing effect like a ghost that's in a house in England. Like, there's all this stuff yeah. where it's starting to, to it kind gets of, confused. It gets yeah. a bit sure. confused, and, and they, yeah, and as we said in the podcast, they admit they're making this up basically as they go along. I'm sure by this point they're planning it out more. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know where we are now in 2019, yeah. but uh, yeah, I'm sure there are a lot of things that are like, you know what, this is just the best scary thing, so we want to do this thing, and we'll figure yeah. out how that fits, mm-hmm. you know, later on. Basically, and uh, we get what is probably. My favorite scene in all of the Conjuring universe, Ed's musical moment, where all of a sudden, oh, fuck me, he's oh Elvis. yes, <laughs> oh, oh Jesus. So- when we start with what presumably is getting written into every Patrick Wilson contract now, yeah. which is I have to sit down and sing a song at some yeah. point. Insane. Mm-hmm. The very next year, we got Annabelle Creation. This one was directed by a director I'm not a big fan of, David F. Sandberg. I like him. He seems great in interviews. I think he seems like a wonderful man. But I wasn't a fan of Lights Out, his, his feature-length version at least. And I wasn't a fan of Shazam, to be honest, which he did after this. But I really like this movie. Uh, it was budgeted at $15 million, which for me is a sweet spot for horror. Mm-hmm. It means you got enough you could play with some toys, but not so much that you can do anything you want. you still got to push and get creative. And this is really one where they kind of let them do something completely different. It's not based on anything to do with the Warrens for the first time. There's no ties to that. It's just fictionalized back history to do with Annabelle. Uh, it's a period piece. Normally stuff that I don't like 
in a horror film, to be honest. I think period piece horrors can normally be quite boring. But this is a lot of fun. And we introduce, like, I think it's got a nice balance of some great acting from the kids, some nice cinematography. Uh, he's doing a lot of similar things that James Wan's doing in terms of introducing different things to be scared of. Lots of great payoff with the Scarecrow and different things later on. And yeah, just like a good balance of the fun and the sincerity, you know? Like I'm mm-hmm. concerned for these people while it's still definitely a roller coaster. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think too, like this film had a really hard job coming off of Annabelle. And it has to both correct <laughs> what like that piece of shit film was and also uh, an amend then what this ongoing story of Annabelle is going to be. Because I think at this point, they know, or maybe they don't, but I presume that they know that there might be more Annabelles, right? That this is mm-hmm. an ongoing thing. So he had to go back <laughs> and create something where this lore started and then also give it, tie it into this shit-tastic movie that came before it and then <laughs> give it some place to go. And so I think that's a really, he did a great job. In, they all did a great job of, making this story that didn't work work and yeah, there's a I lot agree. of cool like, scaries because the first time i saw this was well this is the first film in the conjuring universe that i saw and initially i watched it um, and we talk about this in the podcast with you out when we were doing the chucky series as a reference to kind of the landscape of doll films in whatever year this came out because i think it was the same year as cult of chucky wasn't it or curse of chucky uh yeah i think it was no it'd be cursed because it was yeah, yeah that first one in the house yeah and for me this works really really well as a standalone film i i find it really enjoyable and i got even more out of it watching it a second time having a bit more history with this universe overall yeah i think the performances are really great i love the choice of having the lead girl or the lead girl for half the film, I guess, um, being in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there's just also some, there's real invention in this, which I think the first Annabelle, Annabelle really lacked. And and I like that. I like that. It's sort of, it, it doesn't, it doesn't sort of feel like it echoes James Wan, but it feels like it, it well, it, not, it doesn't feel derivative of James Wan, but it has echoes of that, but it still yes. has the director's own touch, which I really yeah. like. Yeah, and no, I agree. I agree. So, frustrating for me, whenever we do these franchises, we always get the, you know, three perspectives, someone who's more involved, someone who's as new as possible, and someone who's halfway, in the hope that we're going to get very different reactions. But yeah, obviously, the frustration so far is like, we're all pretty much on the same page for each yeah. film. Um, and I will say with the general public again... Yeah, like we're not far off, you know, in terms of the general consensus. But this is where things change. When we get into the next three movies where things get a bit more contentious, I don't know if they do with us or not. Uh, but The Nun came out in 2018. This movie was budgeted at $22 million, so just shy over what The Conjuring 1 cost. And this was Shannon's big fear for a long time. It was. <laughs> it was. <laughs> this movie. So people, again, the critical consensus I've read from people, yeah, not great movie and not scary was the real big problem people had. Like, this is not a proper horror film. I will say when I watched it, it was better than I thought it was going to be from what I heard. It was definitely a little spookier than I thought it would be, but only from a few scenes. I thought it was spotty moments throughout. I was like, that's actually an alright scene. That's an alright scene. And yeah, there's some word that, you know, maybe James Wan directed some of those exterior scenes and they are some of the better executed ones. Who knows? Um, I don't want to detract from... Actually, who did direct this one? I've forgotten already. 
let me double check. But I don't want to detract from the director if he did do some successes in places. Uh, Corin Hardy. Oh, yeah, it's the Irish one who mm-hmm. did The Hallow. But it's just, I'll be honest, I think the biggest problem with this movie is as it fades from my memory, is that it's fading from my memory, which for a horror mm. film is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I barely remember much about it. And the only thing I really remember about it is fucking Frenchie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, That's not what you Frenchie, want to be left with. Like just tanks. It makes, he makes moments that should be scary and tension rising funny and even to me someone who like is scared of everything like i found i certainly found this movie scary as i find all of these movies scary no matter how unscary the internet thinks it is i am terrified (laughs) but there were even moments in the end that i remember i was laughing and it was entirely because of that end goes to a place that is so beyond (laughs) it's insane that it's all of a sudden ridiculous and so it's no longer even in the world of spookies where anything could happen it's no longer realistically scary to me and a lot of that has to do with frenchie's performance a lot of that has to do with the priest guy's performance oh yeah yeah <laughs> i think Thaisa- yeah, he's a he's a big problem with it because yeah. he honestly like our leads a frenchie who's ridiculous yeah the priest guy who's just very badly cast mm-hmm. and then you got taisa famiga in in the middle of that who's great yeah but yeah. that's not enough yeah. And that's not enough. Yeah. And, I, and think, I do think this film would be way elevated if you just had better supporting cast. Yeah. And I think to y'all's point before, the nun having like CGI teeth and all of this stuff that started in The Conjuring 2 was really scary to me there. But in this, I think it gets overused so much that even mm-hmm. that starts to not be scary. You know, I've now seen it and it becomes less and less and less and less and less yeah i mean that's like one of the the issues for me there's like two things it's like i think of this film and part of my mind is like okay this was a missed opportunity the the location and the setup's really cool it could have been a real and and there's some really interesting moments in this and how they develop them but yeah it's it's either let down by really poor acting or casting and or some bad directorial choices so there's like that there's one part of me that's like okay it's a missed opportunity you could have been cool but then there's another part and i think this is something you kind of have to consider if you do have this sandbox of toys to play with is like when do you overuse something and Mm. i think you're right shannon it's the nun was really effective in the conjuring 2 um when she popped up because they they used her sparingly and it was this sort of added layer in that film which which was mysterious and then you've got other ghosts like that in the series that pop up and and for me it's like okay is it going to be overkill if you then make this whole movie about one of these characters mm-hmm. and well, this movie a- does feel like that and they also they also changed the performer that plays the nun in here and yeah. you're right they show the teeth more and it just becomes a little bit too sort of overkill for me that, that it does lack its 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 impact mm-hmm. it's a weird balance because it's like it's like when people were upset you know that they were going to make a boba fett side star wars movies because like what's cool about him is he's on the sidelines when you have these side characters you don't want them mm-hmm. to have a solo movie necessarily but the difference with ghosts is that they're all they're on the sidelines but they're also like you can have them as a lead but they're not there all the time they're not yeah, going to be exactly. the lead obviously yeah, you know, yeah. it's not the nun story and so that's fine and maybe bring her back, but it, we've already seen her teased in little bits. Yeah. So obviously when you do her own movie, you've got to do it more than that. 
And then by default, you're kind of fucking what made it scary the first time. Because if they mm-hmm. just did what they did in The Conjuring 2, it wouldn't be that scary because, like, well, we've already seen that level of the nun. Yeah, yeah. So it's a problem, I think, for them introducing characters in that way. It's not, it doesn't work the same way as Avengers, where you're just like, oh man, I really just want to see, you know, more of Thor doing his <laughs> yeah. thing. Or, right. you know, like, it, it, you don't necessarily want to see more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just like like them being around. So. Yeah. So we'll, we'll get into where it looks like they're heading with that stuff later. But it is, yeah, it is a problem with this movie. Um, but I just want to clarify, I don't think it's terrible. Like, I think there are yeah. some redeemable features. Yeah, well, and I think oh, the yeah. thing that I find the most effective about the nun and why she's so scary is, like, the lurking she does. It's the most scary whenever she's just, like... Oh, she's a creeper. Yeah, in a corner, lurking, behind, like, all that sort of stuff. And you can just kind of see the face, just kind of see... The, and mm-hmm. I think they do a lot of that really effectively in this and those exterior shots are fucking gorgeous mm-hmm. no it's nice you can tell them in romania and using some pretty mm-hmm. pretty parts of romania uh the curse of la urana came in 2019 the year later budgeted nine million getting a big old hefty cut and this was the secret conjuring universe movie uh this was the one that no one really knew was until it came out was it south by southwest i think was when it premiered or something yeah maybe something like that yeah i think so and this one's by Michael Chaves, who uh, I don't need on some shorts. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Michael Chaves. Jesus fuck. Chaves? Chaves. Uh, <laughs> I thought you were joking. I thought you were too. <laughs> no. That's how I read it. Unless there's an accent on it. That's how I read it. It's just C-H-A-V-E-S, which the V reads Chaves. <laughs> So I really hope Chave. that Alex and I are wrong and it is Chaves. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I fear you're not wrong. Who, by the way, who did um, the Billie Eilish video? He did Bury a Friend. I was just watching the other day, which just everything about that lady makes me want to put my thumbs through my eyeballs. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, it was just interesting seeing some of they get some of the possession stuff in there and the floating spookies mm-hmm. and all that shit. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this is his first directorial movie. This is one that a lot of people really didn't like. And I really struggle, and we'll get to it with the list. I really struggle with this movie because I am a big mood person. Um, I like visuals and mood in movies. And that's not just, you know, music and sound and stuff. The acting has to be controlled in the right way for that as well. And this movie, I think, does a really great job with that for the first half, especially. Yeah. I think there's a really cool mood established. And by God, I really think this guy can direct in some interesting ways which aren't like you know incredible but just much more interesting and a bit more personality than some of these other directors have shown but then oh but then we get this shaman guy come in uh, yeah uh, we get ridiculous humor we get an ending that again like i see it seems to be a reoccurring thing like endings that just sort of spiral into confusion and stupidity but this one quite especially does this one becomes like um, a ghostbusters ending i Love the really ending. Does. Go fuck yourselves. It is Buffy the Vampire. It is everything I wanted right. from one of these movies. It is. <laughs> the, like, it is Buffy. It's not just, oh, I'm going to do this incantation and I'm going to release. Like, we see her actually stake the bitch. I'm into it. You are, you are so American. It's like, I like the ending where you fucking stab the ghost yeah. and just beat it up. <laughs> I mean, it, like... You know, the other conjurings and things like this where it's like they perform the exorcism or they, you know, say the name and all the and that's like what makes the spirit go away. And then all of a sudden we have like the same schmaltzy freaking ending 
that makes less mm-hmm. sense to me than like the mother finding just like grasping at straws and let's see if this works. <laughs> no, sure. Sure. I mean, why not? Yeah. <laughs> but it's but there's a lot of terrible things that really creep into this movie yeah. and it frustrates me because I do really love some of those early scenes. That mm-hmm. scene in the car with the kids, like yeah. Yeah, so some cool. of the bits even with, with the ghost later on I like. I like some of these ideas. That umbrella yeah, scare just, is great. Awesome. Yeah, the umbrella scare is cool. Yeah, I really um, I going back and sort of reflecting made me realise how much I yeah, I do enjoy like I really, really like this film. I like the whole yeah, the first half I think is really great. The 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 the, the last act is a little bit iffy. <laughs> that, that character again, it's just like they've hit three for three w- with Annabelle creation and the dad who isn't that bad, but it has the same kind of presence and it kind of just goes downhill after those films mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. the nun priest and then this shaman and just some of his, the way he kind of, he, the way he kind of like throws out some of those lines, it's, it's just terrible. awful. It is just awful. Like his tone it just breaks the whole tone of the film. Yeah. And, and we were talking about it in the podcast. It was like, well, he's a veteran working actor and it's a first time director. So I wonder, you know, I still wonder if there was a kind of an influence there of just mm-hmm. like, okay, we'll let him do his thing. Yeah. Well, his thing was fucking terrible. His thing was fucking terrible. But the film, I think, yeah, the, like you said, Al, the directing is just really accomplished for, for a first-time director. The cinematography is beautiful. There's some great moments. I think La Llorona's looks great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Again, you have the issue when it's close up with all of these ghosts, you know, whether it's a combination of uh, practical effects and makeup or if it's CGI. It's all, like, I feel I'm yet to have a moment where I get an up-close and I'm like, awesome, still looks great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But when when we when we see her from afar, her silhouette and some of those moments where she's like in the shadows or behind the door, fucking yeah. cool. Looks so cool. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed this, and and I thought the performance of the two kids were great, and Linda Cardinelli was was great in the moments when she allowed herself not to go from one to ten in yeah. a oh. second. See, again, I, you know, I said this whenever we reviewed it. I get that. That's how my mother was. One to ten. <laughs> so, you know, right. she's a little yeah. bipolar, a little manic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I really, I did like this film. Uh, again, I'm into the Buffy the Vampire Slayer style ending. And I think there's lots of really cool, clever things that are being done. I agree. The shaman just like kills that last act which is really unfortunate because i think there was cool stuff happening and it would have been a more successful film had he had just not been in it one thing though (sighs) i think we do sort of need to address about this that looking back especially going through this whole universe is that for this being their like mexican spanish latin whatever film it is mm-hmm. whitewashed this whole universe yeah. is super yeah. whitewashed and yeah i think that's a real missed opportunity because all it takes is making linda carnellini's family instead of a white family just a a latin family that isn't familiar with this maybe isn't in touch with yeah. their heritage and then there's a whole other like storyline that comes from that about getting in touch with their personal heritage and their mythos and things like that that i think is interesting 
Well, it's like you say, particularly with this movie, because the other movies based, you know, on Warren's files, like, yeah, it was predominantly white because yeah. the Warrens, because of that religious background and how the Warrens would approach their cases, you mm-hmm. know. But this is your opportunity then, yeah, like you're saying, to do something more culturally diverse. Yeah. Yeah. And it was upsetting they didn't do it. No. Here you go. Yeah. Um, and then in the same year, two films, same year for the first time, Annabelle Comes Home just came out recently, budgeted at $30 million, so the second most expensive of them. Uh, seen really as a sort of conjuring 2.5 almost. It's like the Warrens are here in a couple of bookend roles. We're getting like the room and setting up tons and tons of ghosts. Some of it works, some of it didn't. Again, listen to our podcast from our last week's podcast or whatever. You can hear our feelings on it. Um, and we'll get into which ones we want to see returning in a little bit. But um, <laughs> this was a movie which I thought was just going to be... For the trailers, I was like, all right, this is just going to be fun. It's going to be silly and fun. It's not going to be scary. And I'm fine with that. Let's just do something a little different. I'm surprised they're doing it that way. And by watching it, I was surprised as well. This was like, this is a fucking weird movie. This is like a midnight episode of a TV show where they go like, what if? You know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a really good description. It doesn't matter. It's yeah. really weird. And I enjoy it for that. I do... but fuck me when we're talking about bad endings this is the worst this is the worst ending for me of all of them purely from a story point of view purely from like how things are solved and then how it like nothing really makes any sense what the what annabelle is trying to do um what any of the ghosts are really trying to do and then how it's all like put the lid on oh now suddenly all the people who didn't like you at school are but your best buddies like everything's perfect and wonderful oh and also no final scare yeah which really pissed me off, particularly since we're very close to... Oh, yeah, so we were so close to a record break. Yeah, the thing with this is that, you know, it's cool kind of having this set, this setting over one night, because it, which I really like as an idea, because all the other films have kind of been vague in whether it's been days or weeks or even months maybe in the first Conjuring. So, I do like the idea of just like one night of spookies, especially if it's, you know, you're getting that vibe of, okay, this is going to be like the fun fair roller coaster ride, which very much, which, which not very much, which this film is for its entirety. Mm-hmm. It's there. You're going into the spooky house. Things are going to pop out. It's going to be crazy. Like everything you can think of is going to, is going to pop out and scare you. But yeah, the ending basically makes it all inconsequential like it has it doesn't mean anything at the end Uh, and it doesn't like but in a way for me it's like okay well it almost feels like yeah it's it's just this weird little spin-off kind of stop gap between now and the next conjuring film Mm -hmm. and and potentially a means of yeah well or not potentially again but i think is a means of introducing some some new spookies to the universe yeah, I agree. I like that this all takes place in one night. It's like the Linklater horror film, right? <laughs> and it's in the 70s. It's perfect. Only because I enjoy you mentioning Linklater on a podcast will I allow that comment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure he'd be proud. Um, so I'm into that aspect of it. I agree. The ending is a shit show. And it's I think it's especially disappointing because with the Annabelle movies, They aren't tied to the this is a true story based on a true story sort of thing. So what I appreciated about Annabelle creation is it can like go off the rails and be super creative and do whatever the fuck they want to do because they're not hindered by that. So then you get to have this cool 
oh, Annabelle is still out there ending and people actually die and all of this. And I think we talked about it in our podcast of this. Like, this is rated R, but it feels very PG-13. Mm-hmm. Like, super PG-13. So I think they just really held back and it feels like a means of introducing these other characters. Like, I read, whenever I was researching for this wrap-up, I read a thing about Annabelle Comes Home where it says that in this version, they really clear up the sto- they really clear up what Annabelle is and that she's not a demon herself, but she's merely a conduit, meaning that there's nothing sure. within it, but she's merely a conduit of this, which sure. is then strange to me based on everything else we know about Annabelle. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to get into I that know, again because it's, it's fucking lot. confusing as hell. It is. But no, I, I think it does work with the conduit thing, but it also just makes it like pointless. Yeah. That's the problem. Yeah. And as then- But isn't there like always that one demon attached to That's what Annabelle? I thought. Yeah. It is that goat demon. That's what the shadows show when they're looking for the kaleidoscope. Right. Like yeah. the different things that are attached to her essentially. Yeah. But that's why she never moves independently. Like the, you see yeah. her do it, but it's always controlled by the demon right. basically. Right. Which is a cop-out, because then you could have a moving and the demon's just, you know, yeah. <laughs> marionetting her. But this just feels like a convenient way to introduce all these other scaries for all these other spinoffs, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, uh, and going back to what you said, Shannon, about it feeling like a PG-13 film. Yeah, I think even with, with the casting, this feels very much, compared to all the other films, targeting to a, to a lower age group, mm-hmm. like a teenage age group. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 100% someone mentioned Stranger Things during a meeting. Yeah, yeah. 100%. But in saying that, I do want to shout out McKenna Grace, who played Judy yeah, Warren. Yeah, she was great. I think her performance was was really, really great. Yep. So, all right. So, uh, those were all the movies. Again, I didn't do the box office. I know during the episodes I did. I'm sure you guys' memories aren't that great. So, what I want to ask you is... Again, we, was, we talk about a lot, Alex, you and I, we've talked about this on podcasts, on our regular show back in the day, many times, how people always look at box office, but what really matters is the return on your investment. Mm. And it's hard to know the for sure ROI. because they normally, it's like the EOP, the, the ROI. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, but they, the problem is, is marketing's normally hidden and marketing for people who don't know is normally the same as your budget. Sometimes it could be more. But just going on the information we know from the budget and not looking at the marketing, what is the return? So what do you think from these movies made the biggest return on investment? And which one do you think made the smallest return on investment? I think The Conjuring made the biggest return. Okay. Conjuring 1 for Shannon. And what do you think made the smallest return, Shannon? I'm going to say the smallest return. uh, I'm torn between Annabelle Comes Home just because it's had less time. (laughs) And mm-hmm. no, that's valid. And the nun. I am gonna go with Shannon on biggest return being the conjuring. I'm gonna say smallest return purely based on its giant budget of forty million. Mm-hmm. The conjuring two at the lowest return. Ooh, interesting. So you're both wrong on both counts. No! <laughs> um, the conjuring one is pretty much right down the middle. It made three hundred nineteen million of twenty. It got a two hundred ninety nine million return, is what it means. Okay. Again, we're not looking at marketing. The smallest return by quite some margin was The Curse of Laurona, uh, which even though it only cost $9 million, it only made $121 million, so it got $112 million return. So not seen as doing that great. The second smallest return is indeed Annabelle Comes Home, 
budgeted at 30 million and it made 200 million so far so only 170 million return the highest return by quite some margin is the nun really which made 365 million worldwide on a 22 budget so it's 343 wow million dollars return which yeah we also talk about this quite a lot how you're when you're doing a franchise how the success of one film is actually at least 50 percent down to how good the last one Mm -hmm. film was not how good that actual film is but yeah that surprised me yeah i saw it i was like wow that's their that's their real i mean that one and then 310 for the conjuring 2 that's the next biggest return for them yeah i mean to be fair there was a like the marketing for the nun i thought was intense because i remember whenever those trailers were going i remember being scared of the fucking trailers right and it felt like they were Mm -hmm. happening all the time because i think at that point they had a successful franchise on their hands so they're just dumping money into it it's also something i feel the regular a lot of people can identify with the nun Mm -hmm. like i feel that's something a lot of the market can understand whereas like even the conjuring 2 did super well but a little english horning it's like hmm maybe not as relatable you know mm-hmm. um anyway all right let's move on we've got plenty more to get through very quickly uh we normally want to talk about comic books toys video games all of this stuff bizarrely absolutely baffling to me is when they're obviously trying to construe their own avengers you know mcu universe and they're trying to be the first proper horror universe which they've done they've succeeded mm-hmm. in that they should be accoladed for that there are zero comic books out based in the Conjuring yeah. universe which i think is so weird like that's such an obvious place to fill in gaps i wonder if like as far as the i want would they would there be some kind of licensing agreement with the warrens maybe but the warrens as we've spoken about before were fucking money whores so i feel like they would have done anything Mm. i don't know maybe yeah maybe now that they're both dead and their estate might go who knows maybe now something will happen but it seems like a huge missed opportunity Mm -hmm. uh, to have some comic books based on some of these side ghosts and stuff like that there is, however, Alex, I don't know if you know about this, but there is a video game uh, called The Conjuring House. I'm out. <laughs> Sadly, it's only on PC, which is why you and I have not played this. Uh, it you was mean sep- why you haven't forced me to play it? <laughs> yeah, that's correct. <laughs> I hate horror games. It was released to PC on September 25th, 2018 by RYM, Rhyme, I guess, Games. Uh, they're an independent studio out of Morocco made up of veterans who were part of Ubisoft games like Rayman and Prince of Persia and things like that. Mm. And you play as a journalist exploring Atkinson Manor after the death of its owner. I presume that's a different Atkinson than... Oh, no, it's Atkins, isn't it? Who did the diet? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I watched, however, I have watched it being played. I've watched a playthrough of this. It is essentially... It's very pretty. It's essentially a kind of PT, Resident Evil 7, first person walking around this house. Fuck that. shit happening. Well, I'm out. Uh, and it genuinely looks pretty damn cool. Uh, so I'm frustrated it's not on consoles because I would 100% play the shit out of this game. When, when did it come out? Uh, 2018. All right. Last year. Yeah. I do remember, I couldn't find much on it, but I do remember there was a little VR experience. Oh, no, that was for Paranormal Activity, wasn't it? That's what that was for. We'll get to that another time. Uh... <laughs> You'll do that one? No. <laughs> See, the the spooky games, I think, I feel like Shannon. You feel like Shannon? Oh, I feel like, like Shannon watching these films. Oh, Shannon's gone. Oh, my God. She's disappeared. She has disappeared, which is why you can tell, because otherwise she would have remarked when there was something. Here she, she's back. She's back. Welcome. Welcome back, Shannon. We've just been discussing you, Shannon. Oh, you have? <laughs> would you play 
there's not one sense sadly for the conjuring but it's for paranormal activity would you be interested in a vr no. ghost no. experience no go right. fuck yourself <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's pretty fucked up no um, but that's pretty much it. That's pretty much the only extra media that I could really find. I mean, obviously, there are tons of fan stuff. And we covered some of the ones that were in that competition back in whatever episode mm-hmm. that was. Um, <laughs> that, that which up. Warner Brothers um, now own for all of those long. IPs. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, guys, let's get to the Rotten Tomatoes game. Now, normally the Rotten Tomatoes game, we like to play it. We're looking, we've done the IMDb score for each film as we've gone through them week by week. And then we come to the Rotten Tomatoes. People don't know Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, IMDb score is done by the audience. Rotten Tomatoes is done by the critics and the audience, and you'll see two separate scores next to each other, which can normally be very different from each other. And that makes for a fun game because I pick yep. one and then I say, is it higher or lower for the audience or whichever way around it is? This one's not much fun uh. because there's a lot of parody between the critics and the audience. And I found that pretty fascinating. I mm. don't see that often, but it's no within... last Jedi. Mm-mm, no, they're within a 10% margin the entire time uh, under that which is pretty crazy. So I guess the only way to do it, you guys pick critical audience and we're going to do it with uh, with the game next to the IMDb score. Oh, okay. So would you rather we talk about the critics or the audience of Rotten Tomatoes? Who matters more to you? So if we're doing audience score from IMDb, should we not do critics? That's true. I mean, that was excellent thinking there, Alex. This is why you're running the show. <laughs> so well, I'm going to give you the IMDb audience score. And then I want you to tell me if it's above or below on the Rotten Tomatoes. Again, I can't promise it's going to be that exciting. Maybe some will. Who knows? We'll see. Could be boring. It's just something that we do. Uh, So we'll rattle through these pretty quickly. If you get it, if you want to, you don't have to. You can just say higher or lower. If you want to go for an actual percentage and you're within 5%, I'm going to give you an extra point. That's how exciting this is. And what do points mean? Nothing. They mean nothing. Absolutely nothing at all. God damn it. Uh, the Conjuring on IMDb gets a 7.5 from the audience. Is it higher or lower on the Rotten Tomatoes? Higher. I'm going to say lower. In either of you want to go with the percentage? I'm going to go 73%. I'm going to say... Ugh, oh, you asshole. I'm going to say 82%. Shannon gets two points. 83%. Well played, Shannon. That was a good start. (laughs) Annabelle, IMDb gives this one a paltry 5.4. Oh, I would say too high, a 5.4. What does the audience in Rotten Tomatoes think about Uh, it? Lower. I'm going to say 22%. 22%. Wow. Yeah, I'm going to say lower as well, but I'm going to go higher than Shannon, much higher, and say 47%. You were both correct, so you both get a point. It is lower, but neither of you get the extra Uh, point. It's 36%, uh, right in the middle. Right in the middle. I will say Shannon might do some lowballing because she was involved in the Slasher remake uh, Tomatoes game (laughs) where some of these films got a fucking 3%. That's goddamn ridiculous. (laughs) And actually, one got 0% from critics. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> the worst film that, that I is, think anybody. It is the seen. worst film I have ever seen in my entire <laughs> goddamn life. So freaking You're bad. You're welcome. <sighs> the Conjuring Two, seven point four, just shy of the seven point five on the IMDb. What did the audience think on the Rotten Tomatoes? Wait, audience or critics? Yeah, it's audience, isn't it? Because the audience score on IMDb is seven point four. So the audience. Oh, so we're doing score. audience and audience. Yeah, we're I doing, we're doing audience. I said audience no, no, and no, critics. 
Oh, I thought your point was they're the audience on IMDb, so we should be judging it by how does the audience speak. Okay. Let's yeah. I, do, I retract my excellent idea, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Chad. My excellent idea is your idea. <laughs> I thought it makes more sense because then it's the parody of how yep. Good the point. audience Good who point. goes to IMDb to vote mm-hmm. might reflect on the audience who mm-hmm. go to Rotten Tomatoes to vote. Okay. So, what do you say? 7.4? 7.4 on IMDb. Higher or lower? Conjuring 2. Can you say like roughly the same? No, I'm saying the audience and critics on Rotten Tomatoes are roughly the same. That's why we're not playing our usual game. But the IMDb to Rotten Tomatoes no, but can be I, wildly different. Can I, can I, rather than voting higher or lower, can oh. I say? No, you have to go say higher. I mean, you can say exactly. If you think it's also exactly, if it's 74%, you can say that. Yeah, I'm going to say 74%. 74, it's doubling down. Oh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say lower but not by much. I'm going to say 68%. You are both wrong. Uh, they gave it 81%. What? Oh, which wow. Which means Alex was only out by like a percent of getting into that 5% range. So apologies. But no points. 81%. Uh, the critics gave it 80%. So they like that movie. So what's the score? 2-1, I think. 2-1. It is 3-1. Fuck. Yeah, bitch. Oh, that's right. Shannon got three. Animal Creation. Two. 6.5 from the audience on the IMDb. What? We all liked it. What did the audience feel, though, over on the Rotten Tomatoes or Tomatoes? They liked it, too. They gave it higher. Mm-hmm. Did they? 71%. Holy shit, didn't they? Let's find out. I'm going to say higher as well. What was the number on IMDb? 6.5 on the IMDb's. 6.5 on the IMDb's. I'm going to say 75%. You're both right. They did go higher. So that's a point immediately. 67%. Alex is within a 5% range. Two ah! points for Alex. Ah! One ah! for Shannon. <laughs> so upset. We're now at four to three. Four to three. God damn. Mm. Everything to play for. No, literally. four to four. The none. I had three before. Nope. No, you had four. you got four. You just got a point because you were correct. It's higher. Oh, okay, you just you're right. And I, and I was on one. Gotcha. Okay, <laughs> guys. Um, look, I got the math oh, handled. You just worry I'm about very, that thinking. I'm very concerned about the score. <laughs> <laughs> the nut is bringing out an ugly. I side know. It's, I am a <laughs> Monica. <laughs> <laughs> The Nun IMDb gives it, even though it made the most money, the audience gave it a five point four. You have to also appreciate the more people that see your movie, probably right. the more it's going to drive that score down. <laughs> But what did the audience think who uh, like to frequent that vegetable store? They said lower, Al. They said 4.9. I mean, you said it with conviction. I believe you. I'm uh, going to say... Uh, 5.4 for the nun. Biggest return. Biggest return. I'm going to... So I'm going to go for it. I'm going to say higher. Holy shit. It's 60%. That, oh, at Shannon, my God, no, completely oh, I can't do. Uh, They went lower, 36%. Alex gets God. one point, equaling the score. For all, two rounds left. The Curse of La Orona. IMDb gives it a 5.5, another very average score, with the uh, lowest return, but one point higher from yeah. the audience scoring than the nun, which means if you're listening and you're not voting online, fucking go and yeah. vote online. <laughs> What did the audience think though on Rotten Tomatoes? Maybe they made up for it there. What was it again on IMDb? 5.5. I'm going to say lower 5.3 or 53%. I'm going to say 53%. lower and I'm going to say 45%. 45%. 
It is lower. You both get a point for that. Going to add those up now. Take my time. <laughs> Fucking tell us! 44% oh, Shannon gets no! one extra point. <laughs> Shannon is in the lead six to five as we enter the last round. Here we go. Here we nothing. Go. It means nothing. Don't forget that. It means everything. Annabelle comes home. <laughs> You're going to get another chance back. We've got the actual quiz in a minute. Oh, okay. uh, IMDb, 6.2 for Annabelle Comes mm-hmm. Home. But what about those audiences over on the Rottens? How rotten and how fresh is it? I'm going to throw this out there. I'm going to say higher, 6.7 or 67%. 67. Well, you know, you do your decimals all you want, buddy. I'm not going to judge you. Yeah. I think because it's still so new... Those Rotten Tomato scores are going to be pumped a bit. I'm going to say higher as well. And I'm going to say no. Wait, what is it on IMDb again? 6.2. I'm going to say lower and I'm going to say 55%. Wow. Wow. Here we go. Ah! Yes. Which means Alex has immediately drawn with you. The question's going to be, is he within a 5% bracket? Ah! Alex, what did you say? 67%. It is 70%. No! Alex gets the one extra point. Screeches into the lead. Wait, are we done in the lead dusting. or equal? Because when we fought no. more, then Shannon got two no, points. No, you won. I've done the math, man. I've done the math. I've been writing it all down. Uh, Seven to six. I'm hurt. That final moment. Uh, I'm hurt. Great success. <sighs> so, we've got a whole bunch of stuff to get through with our list. Do you want to do the actual like quiz thing now or do you want to do the list first? It's up to you. Well, let's... Uh... You in a a quiz mood or do you need a break? I mean, I'm still very competitive, so we might as well get it out of my system. Let's quiz it. Let's quiz it. (laughs) Get out of the way. Would you like, uh, Alex, should this be treated, since the winner, you get side, should this quiz be added to the previous points or do you want to start afresh now? No, this is a completely different game. It's Alex won that one. So Shannon can win this one. Okay, let's. Seems fair. Come on. Again, playing, playing for nothing. (laughs) Yeah. I want to win that nothing. We should, we should really give Shannon something tangible. Like, if you win this quiz, then you don't have to cover the future. <gasps> so the country, you know. That would make But no, that you had your out and you missed I it. I know. Uh, I've only got 10 questions for you guys. Some of them are pretty easy. Some may be a little harder. What we're going to go with is, do you both have uh, something you can write down on? Because I'm going to want you to write it and then well, say that's right. it. Okay, um, give me two seconds. Right. Yeah, I will. <laughs> Look at them digging around. We're going to have 10 questions. We're going to run through these. And then, guys, for those of you uh, at home listening or wherever you might be, in your car, supermarket, maybe waiting in line at a brothel. Ooh. Nobody knows. Whatever you're doing, it's fine by us. Um, unless it's something illegal or you're trying to purposely hurt somebody, that's not fine by us. Or even an animal. Don't hurt an animal. We are probably only animals. That's my opinion. We're definitely only animals, but I don't want to speak for you. Maybe you believe we're above animals because... You're self-righteous. Hmm. Interesting. It's Interesting. It's up to you. But even if you do believe that we are, try not to hurt them. Be kind. If you take anything from this episode, really, it's that. To be kind to be animals. Kind to animals. <laughs> okay. He's back. I think I filled pretty seamlessly. Oh, um, excellent. Excellent filling. <laughs> nothing got awkward. First question. Is it Chaves or Chavez? <laughs> <laughs> Literally, nobody knows. Each member of his family calls him under a different uh, I'm going to be <laughs> so accent. bad at this. Okay, so you're both going to write this down, your answer very quickly, you get it one answer, and then you're going to hold it up on a saying and say what, you're, say what you're saying. The writing down is purely so I know nobody's cheating. Okay. And so the listeners at home or again in line at the brothel can be at ease. 
that they know there's no tomfoolery happening here. Don't mm-hmm. worry. First question, we're going to nice and easy. What is the name of the entity terrorizing the family in The Conjuring? What is the name of the entity that is terrorizing the family in The Conjuring 1? I'm locked. Shannon's got it down. Me too. So I'd like to see quick answers. All right, guys. Alex, if you can hold up your answer, please. We have in, in, Sorry. in. <laughs> that that <laughs> was a in? scribble. Uh, Bathsheba from Alex. Shannon. Bathsheba. You're both, I mean, you're both spelling it wrong. It is Bathsheba, right, well, but whatever. I will give it as a point each. Well done, guys. Nice, easy beginning. Question two, then. Uh, also should be a definite point for you both. That was the name of the entity, but what is the name of the family from The Conjuring? We've already mentioned it in this wrap-up. I did. Oh, God. What was the name of the family in The Conjuring? Should be an easy one. All I can think of is another family name. I'm locked. (laughs) There's a mopping of brows. All right, Shannon. Oh, has Alex not got it? He hasn't got it yet. No, I I know this is the wrong name because this is from... Mine is not right either. This is from a- it is. I'll give you a hint. It is not Vera Farmiga. <laughs> uh, Shannon, can you hold up your answer first this time? We have the Livingstons, <laughs> named after Daron himself. And with Alex, we have Bathsheba again. No, we got Sutters, the Sutters. Interesting. I do think the Sutters come involved at some point, but it's the Perrins. Uh, the Perrins uh, yes, with the yes. family. Perrins. Which movie in the Conjuring universe comes first in the timeline which movie comes first in the timeline or at least you know some of them have you know other sections whatever which one has the earliest moment in the timeline i guess shannon's thinking alex was pretty confident and we should say for uh people who aren't looking at alex right now from outside his window peering in today he's building a pretty great elvis kind of quiff which i'm enjoying (laughs) a lot a lot Probably, probably almost definitely in tribute. <laughs> to Patrick Wilson. <laughs> that is be- we didn't mention him singing Elvis again in Annabelle Comes Home. That does, oh, uh, man, it's great. Uh, yeah. oh, does he sing actually Elvis or is he just singing that and have a little sing song? I don't, I don't think we know what song he's singing. I think it just, he picks up the guitar and he's going to entertain the children again. It could have been Justin Bieber. We don't know. All right. You got an answer down? Which film? Yeah. Yep. Okay, Alex, the nun from Alexander, the nun from Shannon. I'm afraid it is actually Annabelle Creation. That opening oh, section. Oh, that's what when I wrote. The daughter first dies. And I scribbled it out. <laughs> no, is it really? Technically, takes place before the nun. That's what that's what all my research has told me. Yeah, People I think make you're meticulous right. Meticulous timelines. After no, that that's point, right. I mean, it's disagree. not. But then you get that because you get that nun crossover. The nun apparently takes place between the opening sequence and then the however many oh. years later. Oh, when because when I was starts. thinking Annabelle creation too, but I was like, well, there's that picture. So anyway, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. boo. If we're wrong with any of this, please don't email us. Number four. We're speaking of Annabelle creation. We are not doing very well at this. Uh, yeah, we are not. What does <laughs> what does Janice? The lead actress suffer from. Why is she in that wheelchair? Something quite prevalent at the time period. I have an answer. Okay. Yeah, me too. Excellent. You both look kind of cautious. <laughs> Please try to say nothing offensive. This is a family show. That's why we swear so much. Shannon. She's written down polio. Alexander Chard. Also polio. You're both correct. Yeah! 
It is polio. The first time anyone's been excited to get polio. <laughs> Number five. Going back to the original Conjuring, what is the name of the Perrin's family dog? Oh my god, Al. Fucking hell. We're getting deep cutty. God. Uh, I'll tell you what, if it's if it's really tough, you can have two guesses. But I just presumed everybody was in tune with the dogs in these films. So. Other than me. So I can, I can write down two answers? Yeah, you can have two. Because you know what? I'm feeling generous. <laughs> That's so wrong. I don't know. <laughs> the first one isn't even a dog's name. Alex, yep. give us a couple of your answers. You've written down Spencer. Actually, you know what? This is very stupid. You just hold them up and then say your answers yeah. so people can hear your voices. Alex, what are your answers? I said Spencer or Buster. You did. You did indeed. Uh-huh. Shem, what are two random dog names I that your brain came Buddy up with? or Gus. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wish they were all true, but it's it Sadie. Oh. Sadie. Oh, that's close to Spencer. <laughs> <laughs> There's an S in there. Or yeah. Buddy. And an E. Yeah. Uh, two exactly. points each, by the way, so far. Two points. We're halfway through. Number six. Where does the youngest parent daughter find the mirror music box? And I want a little bit of context with this. Okay. Where does the youngest parent daughter find the mirror music box? You can write down something abbreviated because you're going to say it out loud with your, your feelings. I don't know why I've been reading your notes so far. Terrible host. Don't you hate it when your phone lights up and it's some fucking number you don't yep. know? I pick up and I say, leave me the Fear fuck alone. <laughs> and then they're like, we wanted to cast you in something. I'm like, ah, oh, never mind. <laughs> I'm lying. Those calls it. don't ever happen. Did either of you go in for the Conjuring 3 castings? No. Not yet. I sent you the link. How, how are we doing? I'm good. Alex is like, writing a miniature novel. Yeah. I mean, I can just read it out, right? Go for it, buddy. So she finds it uh, by the tree, by the creek. It's where the little boy used to play, but it's also where um, Bathsheba was hung or a woman was hung. And Shannon? I put by the spooky tree in the yard by the lake. So I'm going to give you both a point because you both are correct, but I'm going to give Alex an extra point because he went above and beyond. What? I said I wanted a little extra context and he oh, did the important no. thing, which is where Fuck Bathsheba yourself. was hung. I gave it a little bit more sauce. That's why it's a spooky tree. <laughs> So what I was looking for, base of the tree that Bathsheba was hung from. Ugh, that's why no, it's Alex, a spooky just, just tree. Put a number seven. Of, put a bit more English on it. <laughs> <laughs> By the end of 2020, which director will have directed the most installments in the Conjuring franchise? By the end of 2020. Oh. By the end of 2020, which director will have directed the most installments in the Conjuring franchise? I know this. I hope I spell his name right. Oh, actually, I don't even know who's directing the next one. Uh, Shannon, uh, Shannon written down. I things? have. Oh, my goodness. Shan, give it to us. I just called you yeah, Shan. Yeah, you did. It's not like, my, <laughs> like my dad. Uh, I put Mike Chavez. Hmm. Hmm, I, think you, I think you find if the man you're speaking of is who I think it is. It's pronounced Chaves, <laughs> but all right. Alex. Gary Doberman. Ooh, interesting. So... I'm going to give one point to Shannon. It's actually a trick uh, question. James Wan's directed two. By the end of 2020, Michael Chaves <laughs> will have directed two as well, as he is indeed doing The Conjuring 3. Doberman has written many of them, but only directed Annabelle Comes Home. Suck Damn. it! <laughs> <laughs> Old Chaves So you are both again. now there with the five points each. Oh, 
Speaking of beautiful segues happening here, number eight. Speaking of Gary Doberman, how many films in the franchise has he written? Oh. And if you want an extra point, feel free to name those films. If you're trying to impress, don't feel you have to try and impress. I like how Alex thinks we can't tell that uh, for reflection of his glasses when either research for the podcast or porn is popping up. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Go looking don't worry, I've thought about that. Right. No, I was just looking at the, uh, I was looking at the titles. Hmm. Hmm. I've made my answer. You already written down? Yeah, is it, That's wait, quick. is it the whole universe through 2020 or what's currently out? Hang on, let me just check. I, be- I believe they're both the same answer. Okay. But let me just Oh, through to, what's, through to 2020. So no, it's an excellent question. It shows she's paying Thank attention. You. Thank you. They are both the same answer. Okay. All right, guys. I've made my answer. Can okay. I push you now? Shannon? F- How many films? Five. That's what I put. And did you, you don't want to extrapolate on that for the extra point? You happy? I am not going to extrapolate on that for the extra point. No. <laughs> that is a fair decision. Keeping your shame yeah. inside. Alex. Yeah, I was going to go five as well. He's going to have a stab at it. I can mm-hmm. tell. Annabelle. Annabelle creation. Annabelle comes home. What's that? One, two, three. The nun. Count. That's reassuring. The nun. Four. And either he's riding the conjuring three. Three. Oh, yeah, Conjuring 3. You're both close. He's only written four, uh, though. Annabelle, Annabelle Creation, Annabelle Comes Home, and The Nun. That is it. Do There's I get an extra point for mentioning all No, no you do not. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> but nice try, sir. So you still both got it all to play for. Number nine, where is the real haunted room located? The Warrens have a haunted room with all the spooky shit in it. We see it in Annabelle Comes Home. We see it in pretty much uh, The Country and The Country too. But we can, we can go and visit it. And pretty soon we're going to go on a nice no, little we're not. trip. The three of us hang out with old Raggedy Ann. Can I just name the, the state I think suit. it's in? Here's, here's what I'm going to say. If you can name the state, you're going to get a point. If you can name the town, an extra point. Typical ways to earn my favor. Okay. Information. That's what I crave. In all seriousness, I have been thinking it would be fun to do a road trip sometime where we go to a lot of these places that the different series we've covered. Like That'd be cool. We should go to, well, one would be to reveal the series we're covering next, Alex, but we should do something to do with that as well. No, I'm out of that one. Drift. <laughs> 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 There's a place we could visit that might be intriguing. <laughs> no. uh, all right, Alex, where you go? Um, I don't know the name of the town, but I guess the state and I said Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Connecticut from Alex. A very nice residential place. Keep your neighbors a mile away from you at all mm-hmm. times. Uh, I also said Connecticut, and I guessed on the name of the town just because I was like, well, this sounds like a Connecticut name. Newton, Connecticut. <laughs> oh, I like Ooh, it. I like one. it. That's a great one. Uh, we should look if Newton, if there is a uh, Newton in Connecticut, but it is not what a haunted room is. The haunted room is indeed, though, in Connecticut. Uh-huh. You both get a point, which means you're both at six on this final question six six <gasps> and i'm really hoping six. one of you gets this right and the other one doesn't otherwise this is gonna be frustrating because i don't have a lightning <laughs> round final question which the conjuring ghost was only added in during reshoots and for people who haven't been listening to us episode by episode, we have not cleared some of this information in the podcast. So this isn't the stuff they'd previously known. Do you mean Conjuring Film or Conjuring Universe? Yeah. Conjuring Universe. I'm not, I'm not going to like... <laughs> Conjuring Universe, my friend. <laughs> We're talking the entire deal. 
was only added in after reshoots. Which Conjuring ghosts? And for uh, everybody at home, again, maybe not at home, we're going to be going through all of these ghosts in a, in a brief second. Well, depends how long these two keep stroking their lips. <laughs> I, just, I, I, oh, I feel like I should know it. Hoping one of you gets this right. Otherwise, we will have a draw and nobody okay, I just, enjoys a draw. I have to go with my instinct, even though I think it's wrong. Yeah, I'm going against my instincts. That's always proven successful for you so far, Alex, in your life. So keep doing it. Mm -hmm. Oh, Shannon's having double no, swords. Listen, We're I gotta go Alex. with it. I'm going with it. Just going with it. So Alex. my in my instinct said Valak, but I actually wrote down Crooked Man. Crooked Man. Shannon. I also wrote Crooked Man. Oh, but your instinct said Crooked yes. Man. Incredibly frustratingly, you're both wrong. <laughs> <laughs> And it was Valak. Ah! No! I knew it. I knew it. The nun was added in in reshoots. Uh, James Wan didn't have a clear idea for what that spooky should look like. He came up with the nun later. God damn it. The draw. But hey, Alex won the earlier yeah. round. So basically, Alex There wins. you go. Thank you. There you go. Wonderful. Well done, guys. Well done. Very nice Woo! quiz. You both tested I things. I hate everything. Clearly, all these weeks of watching movies has been worthwhile. <laughs> so now we're going to get into our lists. And then we can get the fuck out of here and reveal Bye. what the hell's going on next week. Bye. And a bit of the future of this. So, quickly, guys, because this is we're going a little longer than we intended. All right, we're going to talk about... I'm just going to go with these, the order I wrote okay. them down. All right. Okay. Our favorite main ghost. So, by this, we want, like, the one that's really the feature of that film. So, not a sidelined one. But the main one. Um, so just to remind people, I don't, unfortunately, I don't have all of them written down like that. But of all the ghosts, there's the Feely Mealy, the Black Shuck, which is the Hellhound, the Samurai, the Bride, which is a main one, I would mm -hmm. say, mm -hmm. the Accordion Plane Monkey, Bill Wilkins, which is definitely a main one, the Ferryman, the Crooked Man, Bathsheba, definitely a main one. Oh, I've heard about the Ferryman. Annabelle man. and the Goat Demon, definitely a main one. And Valak, mm -hmm. definitely a main one. Mm -hmm. They're the ghosts that we really get acquainted with. So your choices are the bride, Bill Wilkins, Bathsheba, Annabelle, the goat demon, and Valak. Who's your favorite? I said Bathsheba. Uh, Bathsheba. For yeah. Shannon. Okay. I liked Bathsheba. I uh, liked the fairy man, but I went with La Llorona. Oh. Ooh, oh, fuck yeah. I forgot La Llorona off that list. Sorry, man. Yeah. Um, for the reasons that I said earlier, great silhouette. Yeah, and just some of the scenes, and I'd like the scene where she was weeping mm -hmm. under the bridge when the kid was there. Like, there was some really spooky stuff. I liked Bathsheba's I liked yeah. lore. Like, her lore made sense to me mm -hmm. in a way that these other ghosts didn't. Like, what she's after made sense. Yeah, yeah. It was sort of yeah. clear, yeah. I think you both make good points. Um, yeah, I think a loud honor I hadn't thought about, actually. But yeah, I really like her design, even though it's very simple, but I do like it. I agree with Shannon. I bet she bears, like, a great lord her but i actually wrote went with annabelle mm -hmm. and the goat demon that was my second i actually think the most the it's a cliche but the most amount of spookies i get mm -hmm. from the film when it's actually dealing with the ghost is always with annabelle yeah. to be honest favorite signed line to ghost so this is really playing into what the future is what do you want to see a solo movie of i'm gonna go first here it's pretty simple it's what we talked about last week even the ferryman for me like mm -hmm. i really love the look of the fairy man, I really like. If they can nail, like, they fucked it up a bit and Annabelle comes home. Not the look, but the whole sort of when she goes into his world, yeah. I felt wasn't done very well. But I think there could be a really genuinely spooky movie made about the fairy man. Yeah, I'd completely forgotten about the fairy man. He was great. He was definitely the best spooky from 
from Annabelle comes home, I think. But I, yeah, it slipped my mind. I had actually written Bathsheba just and, and sort of with the idea of maybe returning to that location, but perhaps in another decade, liking that sort of, yeah, like you were saying, Shannon, she has a really good backstory in lore. It's, it's quite simple. And, and I like cursed witch stories. Uh, I said yeah. the samurai warrior statue. Because uh, we only got like a taste of it in Annabelle Comes Home where it was just done in a soundscape. And I think there's a really cool opportunity to do something totally different where they could do like an old like Asian mythos period piece like back in the day. It just do something totally different and maybe add a little bit of color into this very whitewashed universe. Ooh. Bang Tanro Ishida. Tanro Ishida. Tanro. Calling all Tanro Ishidas. Yes. I mean, I think me and Shannon have a very good. I think Cemented will both be getting those movies. I don't think they'll do it back that old, though. I think it will still be a contemporary yeah. one with maybe some bad flashbacks when you get to the Yeah, but I think, stuff, like, so. even if we'll you're see. getting flashbacks, that's what I mean. The story is still based in something really old. Sure. Sure, sure. And maybe he can do more than just turn his yeah. head. The ghosts that you least want to see <laughs> again. We've seen a whole bunch. I just named most of them. Who do you really hope never comes back? In a Let me take story? this one first, Al. Um, <laughs> I actually wrote three different ghosts, and I think wow. that all three, they're actually making movies oh, of. Wow. And that oh, is uh, the Black Shark or the Werewolf, the Crooked Man, and Valak. Hmm. I think you're right. I think we'll see movies of all three of those. <laughs> Shannon? Uh, I have the Crooked Man. I don't give a shit. I also have the Crooked Man. I also have Bill Wilkins. He can fuck off. And yeah, the Black Shark is the one. I'm just like, please. I don't know. It's the worst thing in Animal Comes Home is the fucking CGI smoke werewolf. I do not want to see mm-hmm. any more of that. I, I, again, don't bother that. Don't doesn't bother me. <laughs> Buffy the Vampire Slayer all the way. It's because it's not scary. Exactly. That's why you're happy to see 100%. it. A hundred percent. So I think the Crooked Man wins as our default all three of us. Yeah. Mentioned. Yep. And we're going to get him. Yeah, we are yeah. going to get... Well, it's been stalling a little bit. We'll yeah. see. Uh, uh, who's been our favorite lead in the film? So, again, we're not including the Warrens. Uh, in the first one, then, we've got really the whole the whole family. There's a whole bunch mm-hmm. of people to pick from there. Then you got Annabelle. You've got that lovely lady actress that Shannon's a fan of, clearly. Uh, and then we've got Conjuring 2, where you've got the Brits. Uh, well, not so Brits. Well, not all Brits, yeah. Yeah. And then we've got Annabelle Creation, where we've got, I would include both of those young girls as the lead mm-hmm. for that one. And then we've got The Nun, where we've got um, Tassia. And if we want to include Frenchie or the other guy, we can. And then we've got uh, La Rona, where we've got the mother and the daughter, uh, sorry, mother and the son. Son? Son yep. and daughter. And daughter. Yeah. and daughter. Oh, yeah. That family. And then, of course, Annabelle comes home. The three, well, the two teenage girls and the daughter. Um, who's your favorite? And I'll accept an ensemble if you want. If something like a pairing for you or whatever, then I'll accept that. Uh, mine is the ensemble of Annabelle creation. With the exception of like the two random girls that are there for- <laughs> The anonymous no, girls, yeah. No reason that we find nothing out about. Yeah, it's the ensemble of Annabelle creation for me. I also say McKenna Grace as Judy Warren as a very close second. I think she does a great job. Yeah, for me, it was it was the other way around. It was McKenna Grace as Judy Warren. I think, you know, in, in such a uh, spooky house ride of a film, she brought a really interesting performance to Judy. And I liked the angle of her being sort of embarrassed 
and ashamed of what her parents do. And, and that felt very truthful. And then, yeah, and then the two lead girls in, in Annabelle creation were, were great and, and really shared that film because mm-hmm. it kind of, they one's lead for the first half and then the other one's lead for the back half and both are just as strong and interesting characters. What's interesting is that we're all picking the kids, basically. Yeah. Mm. It's very close for me. Actually, what's her face from Annabelle Comes Home? Is I'm not. I think she's fine. I'm not quite as excited about her as you guys are. Annabelle Comes Home. Those two were. In, sorry, Annabelle Creation was an obvious choice for me because I love the pairing of those two. But actually, just for me, not the parents, but the kids in the original Conjuring. Like that cast yeah. list is incredible. I, yeah. Joey King is like on in my third if we're in the Conjuring. Yeah. And just these little moments when I was going back to those like jump scares, like those little moments with how they did those things and like that she's standing right behind you and all these mm-hmm. moments, like so fucking good. So yeah. good. But yeah, I think overall we can definitely really strong kid casting mm-hmm. in these movies. Yeah. So who's been our least favorite? <laughs> Who is the character on the good guy side that we never want to see return again? Uh, I'm going to go really quickly. It's a real tiebreaker for me. It's easy to say Frenchie from The Nun because he's called Frenchie and he's a ridiculous joke. But actually, my least favorite is Ward Horton as John from Annabelle, the husband from Annabelle. Oh, yeah, good point. Yeah. Oh, he's bad. Well, I'll follow that up because I, I base this off of what do I think killed the movie the most? And for me, it is Annabelle Wallace and Ward Horton in Annabelle, just like them as a couple... I think that that movie could have been cool and interesting in a lot of ways. I mean, granted, direction is a huge part of the problem here as well. But like... Directing doesn't matter. It's mostly the actors' fault. Well, they are terrible. They they are to blame then. (laughs) For me, it was between the the priest and the shaman, but I'm going to nominate the shaman Mm -hmm. because I just don't think he had an understanding of the tone of the project he was working in. Yeah. It is interesting as we're saying this, it is becoming crystal clear. It's like, yeah, this is just the grown ups, and most yeah. of these are the problem. Mm. And I think it is. Oh. If you make this just a pure kid movie, yeah. it could be critical. I think, well, well and that's kind of what Annabelle Comes Home was to some degree. I know, but do it but as a hard yeah. up. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, but I think. A lead. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, you go, you go, Shannon, finish it. Oh. Up. Three, two, one. Two. <laughs> well, what I was just going to say is I think kids are have like this amazing imagination so they can act in this in these worlds and aren't like concerned about being stupid or being weird. And adults, I think, have to get over mm. all of that whenever you're acting in these horror movies is that you That's have a, there's a lot of judgment and all I'm seeing is their judgment on screen and it makes it less fun. I agree. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm thought about that. Well, I'm very sorry. Yeah, I was just going to add that I feel disappointed for Madison Iceman, who played Mary Ellen in yeah. Annabelle Comes Home, because I thought she was really great. Is, is Which one's that? Sorry. The blonde. Uh, the, the, main, the babysitter, the blonde. Yeah. Oh, the one who was not. Yeah. 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 She wasn't given anything, and I thought she was uh, yeah. very natural and charismatic on screen, but <laughs> was pretty useless character-wise, so yeah. feel bad for her. All right, guys. So before we put these films in order- uh, spookiest moment, which then Shannon came back with a caveat. Was like, I want to separate these. Uh-huh. So, what did you say, Shannon? So, I said, there's the scariest moment, and then also, like, what was the most inventive or interesting little scares? Like, maybe it wasn't the like well orchestrated. Yeah, yeah. maybe mm-hmm. it's not the thing that like keeps you up at night. You're so scared about, but you it was scary, and you can also go like, oh, that was cool how they did that. Yep. 
Yeah. Excellent. And there's a lot. And going back to yeah. the supercuts, and there is one if you want to see it, you go onto YouTube. Obviously, it doesn't have Annabelle Comes Home in it yet. It does have La Llorona in there, I think. Yeah, yeah it does. But it has all of them. <laughs> and it's kind of normally get the kill count. So it was kind of great that we picked, like Alex, that you chose to do the spook counts with the jump counts with Shannon. Because basically what that is, it's a, it's a counter for all the jumps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and there are so fucking many. And I started yeah. writing down all the ones I liked and it's it's ridiculous. Yeah. And there are yeah. loads of little tiny ones mm-hmm. so that, yeah, you're right, Shannon, that, that were effective even if they don't make you jump necessarily in the same way. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Uh, Alex, when you start us off with something. So I'll go with my most inventive scare first and for me yeah there's there's lots of little different ones that i liked i liked valak's shadow moving through along the wall in uh conjuring 2 i liked the rear window style moment in annabelle i liked the scarecrow like ripping its face off with the demon outside but it hands down for me the most inventive scare because i think it was masterful directing and storytelling with how it happens and how it plays with uh, where it directs your eye, and it's from The Conjuring 1 when the bed sheet yes. comes off the clothesline, you have the body figure of the sheet, it then blows up into the window, hits the window, mm-hmm. window moves, and there's a there's a Beth Sheba standing in the window. Mm-hmm. And just how quick that sequence is when you watch it back, but how ev- like every movement is, in- is intentional with how it directs your eye, directs your eye as a viewer. I, th- I thought it was just genius. I thought mm-hmm. it's so, so cool. Yeah, that's down as one of mine as well. Yeah, it's it's just a beautiful succession of imagery and it's a great combination of practical and CGI, which is rare. Yeah. yeah. It's a good one. I, I, mean, I, I struggled a little bit to find... Because I'll be honest, I think a lot of these, you know, from watching many, many, too many horror films, most of these are pretty rote, but it just comes down yeah. to how's the camera used and how's the acting and all this stuff and the lighting and... And it's really hard because, yeah, like you said, Alex, like the Valak into the painting. I think that's actually maybe the most creative. I think that until it gets too silly by the end. I think yeah. that's really cool walking around that that wall and then going into the painting. But in terms, and, and yeah, then there are the ones I just enjoy the most, like the Scarecrow one. I really enjoy <laughs> yeah. I don't find it scary. It's just so much fun. Yeah. Like seeing him rip out of it and then the light going out. But yeah, you talked about the fire trucks tent scene before. I think that's actually one of the spookiest ones for me. And obviously the hide and clap, like it's important. All the marketing was done around it. Oh, wait, but are you doing scariest or most inventive? No, no, but that's what I'm saying in terms... I think these... But that's the problem. I actually had trouble, that's what I'm trying to say. I had trouble separating Mm. the two because for me, I don't get scared. Yeah. So that was when Shannon said that, it made me think about it. I was like, oh, I don't really get scared. I find something cool and that's normally because it is done in an interesting way. So my, I kind of have to just give a blanket answer for both, to be honest, which all of those ones, like the Laundry Ghost one was really high up there. But it probably is the the cliche. It probably is the hand clap. Like that's the one that for me, like it's just really smart. It's really spooky. They utilize space really well with it. Um, He does his typical setting things up. There are other moments that creep me out more. Like the only thing that really, I've mentioned it a bunch, but the only thing that really sticks in my brain is the voice of that girl saying that it's standing right behind you. And it's such a cliche. (sighs) Yeah. Like it's couldn't be more cliche. That one I had as my scariest moment, just because of how James Wan plays with the tension and your expectations there of her looking under the bed. And then so your first expectation is when the camera pans back up to the top of the bed, something's going to be there and it doesn't. And he just plays with that moment and the stillness of it's in the corner and just sort of lingering on the sister standing there. Mm-hmm. And you never, and nothing ever coming out of the shadows. Like it, it, it really just plays on, on, 
on our fears of of what we can't see. Yeah. And and he's just really patient with just kind of letting it just stay and build and build and build until well, we and the because I think land. everybody's had that moment. Not everybody's had the scarecrow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, part, yeah. But every or a fire truck even coming out of ten. But everyone's been in a room, been spooked out by a dark corner, mm-hmm. and then like stood in those stood in those spaces with negative space and looked at someone else's face and been like, "Oh shit, are you looking at something?" Yeah. Or their dogs looking at something. And yeah, like, yeah. Wait, is there something? Yeah, and got creeped out. So I think it's a really yeah one we can connect. To. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, for me, like. The difference for me between like the scariest moment and like these most inventive little scares is that the inventive little scares aren't necessarily the ones that stick with me, right? The scariest moment is like I close my eyes and I can't get that image out of my brain, right? Uh, And for me, I I think we're bouncing around a bit, but the scariest moment is that the nun in Ed's office in The Conjuring 2, that whole progression just the slow walk to the painting the fingers coming around like how they're playing with tension in that um is terrifying uh, to the point where i mm-hmm. look into the corners of my room at night and i'm afraid i'm going to <laughs> see the nun there <laughs> still um just like that shat- please don't <laughs> just like that i could see you behind you right I, now I, will stat- I hate everything <laughs> <laughs> so that is what and also a close second to that is kind of the same thing is Anna is in Annabelle creation where she's under the staircase and we see the doll under the staircase and then you just see the goat demon's eyes and Mm. presumably rushes towards her and she's like out of the like that it the scariest things to me are the idea of like oh do I as we were just talking about do I see this thing there right Mm -hmm. and so then for like most inventive, interesting little scares, I had the ghost in the laundry. That was a big one for me. The umbrella in La Llorona and I thought was really cool. Yeah, I loved yeah. how they did that. Um, but my number one is the claps and the conjuring. Because I'm not, like that doesn't stick with me. I'm not like scared of hearing the claps necessarily. But like, right. it's, it, that's terrifying. <laughs> yeah, Dude, just that's watching one for that me, back as well. There's the the one where she's in the basement and the hands just in the dark yeah. coming out behind that, yes. her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's what I'm. For I me, that does about. creep me that's out more the because the sound. I think sound is what creeps me out more. Yeah. So like I do have that thing where it's sometimes at nighttime you might think you could just totally hear that somewhere, you know, and that would creep me out more than necessarily an imagery thing. Oh, another thing that I just was reminded of that I think is worth mentioning for its inventiveness is um, the Valak painting in that room yeah. when the lights on, lights off. Yeah. yeah. That I'm counting that as a part of that whole scene. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, there are so many nice little moments. And I, and again, just lots of ones which are broke, but they just do it really well. Like I do think in Kerslaurona, again, like that car scene is done really well and that couldn't be more typical. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's actually just orchestrated well and there's a good tension and claustrophobia to it. Um, no, it, I, it really made me appreciate the whole franchise more in terms of if you just look at it in little chunks, you know, little vertical slices of his little, you know, spooky scenes. There's so many of them. And I think that's many people's problems with the series is that that's all it is. It's nothing more. And I can appreciate that. But, um, but they do do those well. Mm-hmm. So, guys, before we talk about where this is all going in the future and then we can reveal what's happening next week with our new series, we need to place all of these films in order. And me and Alex... I've had the unenviable task of placing all four Insidious films as well. 
problem uh, is was- <laughs> well <laughs> I was just saying the problem is is those uh, not to give anything away too soon but mm-hmm. most of those films haven't stuck in my mind I watched them a while ago <laughs> yeah yeah, well, yeah, I went back. I rewatched the trailers at least, but I only watched the last key recently, um, which I know we didn't get to talk about, but I'll talk about it when I go through my list. So we're going to go from, as is customary, our least favorite in the series, ride that all the way up. To Damn, Al, movie. I was going to say my top five is locked in from there onwards. <laughs> it's it's just all over the place. <laughs> mm. Shannon, you are uh, a newbie. Ah! How did you feel? What's the worst of the worst? The worst for me was Annabelle. Go fuck yourself, Annabelle. And your TV movie film. Continue upwards. Climb that Uh, ladder. So, yeah. So, number seven is Annabelle. Number six. uh, This one was a little... I went back and forth, but I am going to say The Nun. Just because the climax of it, I like... Because Frenchie's so bad, I could find it funny. (laughs) Then number five, also like the like my four, five, and six, I feel like are were interchangeable to some degree. But then it's the Curse of La Llorona at number five. Hmm. I put Annabelle Comes Home at number four, and then number three is for me The Conjuring Two, and then one and two was really really difficult. But I'm making two. The Conjuring, and I'm making number one, Annabelle Creation, mainly because I think Annabelle Creation had had so many things that needed to like fix from Annabelle and a story to continue on. And and going back through that super cuts, the jump cuts video of all the like um, scary moments and jumps. The Conjuring had like 30 some, 28, like almost 30 jumps, right? I only jumped 15 mm-hmm. times and I'm an easy target. I almost- oh, Don't worry, we'll go through the numbers. I almost yeah, jumped uh, and <laughs> Annabelle Creation had like 31 or 32, I can't remember. And it got me on 29. So to me, that is a, <laughs> that is a horror movie that is doing its job, right? Okay, okay. That's yeah. fair enough. That's fair enough. I mean, that's a, yeah, yeah. that's a good list. Annabelle Creation is your favorite. I mean, to be fair, you none of these <laughs> are my it. favorite. I enjoy none of them. <laughs> we'll have an annual viewing. Alexander, including the Insidious movies. Yeah, so that'll be 11 for us. So starting, so 11 to 6 is kind of interchangeable or that I just don't really care. <laughs> so starting at 11 i have insidious 3 oh interesting yeah we spoke For about reasons. it yeah uh coming in at number 10 i have annabelle oh did you freeze no you didn't okay. no we're good we're good yeah. uh yeah annabelle at number 10 for the same reasons um shannon said basically it's shit yeah number nine <laughs> insidious 4 the last key the last key mm. it was I have this above Annabelle just because I like Lynn Shay. <laughs> okay, fair enough. She, she is in that movie. She's in it a lot. Yeah, we'll have to talk about that at some point. Coming in at number eight, The Nun. Very, very disappointed with this film. Yeah, yeah. It, it kind of ruined Valak for me. It ruined Valak for me. Coming yeah. in at number seven, this will be controversial, Insidious. Ooh. Mm. 
Hmm. Look at that smile. <laughs> uh, so Not controversial to me. Number six, Insidious 2 oh. with Possessed. Crazy face, over-the-top acting, Patrick Wilson. Patrick Wilson. <laughs> I think I liked it more because I could deal with one crazy face, over-the-top Patrick Wilson than a bunch of practical makeup ghosts that I didn't like in Insidious. Right, 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 right. Coming to number five. So, this is my, my five is pretty, pretty much locked down. At number five, I had Annabelle Comes Home. A fun thrill ride, but... As someone that is now investing into the universe, I didn't get much else out of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I enjoyed McKenna Grace's performance. I thought it was awesome. Coming in number four, I have The Curse of La Llorona. I really, yeah, I really enjoyed this film. And I think it's one of the ones that that sort of had a lasting spooky effect mm-hmm. on me. I have moments where, where I keep sort of thinking about it. The first half is is really excellent. But yeah, it does lose its way. Yeah, and one person who we've already named kind of ruins it. Oh, what a dick. Coming in at number three, The Conjuring 2. This film was a little bit too flashy for me off, off the back of Conjuring and has subsequently been ruined by watching that interview with those girls, <laughs> with the real-life <laughs> girls. Um, at number going? two... Well, there we go. At number two, I have Annabelle Creation. Ah. I really, really love this film. It was my first introduction into the universe. Um, yeah, the ensemble in this is really great. Yeah, and and for me, the, the, this film working and being as good as it is, I think is is what got the ball rolling for the mm-hmm. the universe to start taking mm-hmm. shape. Because, like Shannon said, they had a lot of work to kind of bridge the gaps with Annabelle and also kind of make up for its its shittiness. And I think it was really successful in doing both those things. And also just being a fucking cool film on its own if you want to watch it and not feel invested in the um in the universe. The ending might confuse you slightly, but it doesn't matter. I think it's still a really, really great film with some excellent inventive scares. And therefore number one is The Conjuring. Um I just yeah Great casting. The kids are just perfect casting. Wonderful ensemble. I love the setting. And I think here it's just a, a James Wan masterclass of, 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 you know, using horror staples and tropes, but playing around with that, subverting our expectations, um, you know, honoring the kind of 70s horror aesthetic and feel, but, but still bringing in new ideas. And I think that all the films in this universe since then have kind of been striving to have yes they've gone up a gear as far as like being roller coaster rides but i think i think they've it, it always feels like they're, they're trying to hit that mark of storytelling that james one hits in this and and they just haven't quite reached it yet and for that it's my number one i mean yeah i mean pretty alarmingly close yes between the two of you. only a couple of switcheroos for me, all right, so basically mine is separated into four groups. I got the bottom three. The bottom three can burn in hell. <laughs> These are films that I just want to eradicate from the face of the earth. At number 11 for me, by quite some margin, is the very recently watched Insidious, <laughs> The Last Key. What? <laughs> Which made me so angry <laughs> like i watched this with katie the other day and i was fucking livid you know it it's 
terrible <laughs> like everything about it like they think they're so cute all the time like you have these two you got the guy i've forgotten his name now but uh, what's his name one l one l is that his name yeah the guy who wrote saw and starred in saw and he's like playing one of these sort of two duo ghostbusters who go around with lynchay and everything they say is like nothing's funnily written there's mm-hmm. zero i've never seen a film with less chemistry like ever there's no chemistry between any of these actors there's a weird romance thing which is borderline like oppressive like he's just like he's just all over it there's a kiss he does that forces on a girl at the end and she's so not into it it's one of the most uncomfortable things i've ever seen but it's meant to be cute like that's what they're playing it with the music and lin shay who yeah i enjoy lin shay but it's like this is like midday tv that your grandma's watching like it's so from the like the 90s like it's just so bad so bad i only remember one moment from this or maybe two which is really funny because i don't i don't really remember anything else because it was a while ago that i watched it but having a general idea of what the narrative is from from memory it's such a weird place to pick up the ball for this franchise do you know what i mean it's so weird man like the story just makes like i mean look there's a couple of cool imagery things they could have done but they do this whole thing with this spooky with the with the five keys and there's all this cool way you could have gone with it and then they do nothing they leave mm. like they do like five story strands and leave all of them and none of them tie in. You're like, what was even happening? Yeah. Which would be fine if it was all fun, but it's not. It's terrible. Hate it. Number ten, Annabelle. This film can go to hell. <laughs> it's just a piece of shit. Number nine, Insidious Two. I fucking hate this movie. <laughs> I mean, it looks cheap as fuck. I hate Patrick Wilson like being. That's why I'd say I used to love Patrick Wilson. <laughs> then I watched this movie. Uh, it's terrible, and he should be ashamed. Uh, so those three movies can just be burnt. The next three movies are films which I just don't, please, I just don't want to go back to them. But it wouldn't kill me if I had to, but I would prefer not to. Uh, number eight, Insidious Chapter 3. I, this is, I mean, weirdly, I would like to put this one above the first Insidious because I enjoy really? it more. But I enjoy it more just because it's so fucking stupid. <laughs> is it like, Matrix just- Lin Shay that you enjoy more? <laughs> no um, it's more just this lead girl who's just gradually getting beaten up more and more and more throughout the film and it's fucking it's quite funny and i do think that they do the guy with the breather apparatus better than they Ooh, did that's Wilkins true in the conjuring too yes i forgot about creepy. him but that's my number eight because it's not great uh or even good number seven is insidious one which well, because for the first half of it it's definitely cheap it looks cheap as fuck but for the first half of it, again, you've got Patrick Wilson. He's doing a good job. And you've got, what's her face? Oh, shit. What's her name? What's his um, name? Rose Byrne. Rose Byrne. Mm. He's great. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's a solid movie for that first half of it. Um, and then it comes off the rails completely when they go into the further. And it's like a fucking 80s music video. And it's really bad. Really bad. I don't like, uh, to be clear, the shocker for me, the biggest shock of the entire Conjuring universe has been watching Insidious movies and me realizing I think they're all terrible. <laughs> all Did you them. think you were going to like them? they came them? from the same mind. Uh, yeah, they come from the same. I've seen okay. them before and I didn't remember hating them this much. And they come from the right. same mind. Like Insidious Chapter 2, well, he, James Wan directed that the same year he directed The Conjuring. Yeah. Albeit with less money, but it's, it's, I want to burn it. It's in my burn pile. <laughs> Do you think, like, everything that went into Insidious was in his, like, scrapped ideas book? And he's like, oh, I'll just throw them all in this film. <laughs> Honestly, I feel like he's contractually obliged or something. And he couldn't give a shit. That's how it feels. Mm. But anyway, whatever. Number six, The Nun. Um, so, I think we're yeah. on par right now, Annabelle, in terms of Annabelle, Annabelle and, the, and nun. the Nun. The Nun's fine. I think it's better than people 
said it was, but it's yep. bad, you know. But it's watchable. Again, these three, I would watch all three of these again if mm-hmm. I have to. Um, I would just prefer not to. Then we get into my top five. These three, I would watch again willingly and I will watch again. That's what this bracket Ooh. is. Uh, so number five for me, and this was tough. Yeah. Because again, there's like some real ups and downs in these movies. Mm-hmm. But number five for me is Annabelle Comes Home. Mm-hmm. I would like to put it at four because I love that idea. I like the one night thing a lot. I always like things set over one night. Um, I think there's a fun idea here, but there's just some stupid moments. The lead character really has nothing to do. And the ending is so infuriating that I want to like throw it out the window. But the bits I do enjoy in here, I do really enjoy. Um, so I will totally watch this again. And maybe I'll change my opinion when I watch it again with adjusted yeah. expectations. But for me right now, and this was really tough, it is The Curse of La Arona, which I think its worst parts are worse than Annabelle Comes <laughs> Home. Yeah. But its better parts for me were better. So a difficult one to know. Those two could swap swap around mm-hmm. pretty easy. Number three, The Conjuring 2, which I put there kind of begrudgingly because it's like, yeah, we've been saying, it's definitely flashy. I think it's unethical, but pushing that out the window, just as a film, it throws everything mm-hmm. at you. And 50% of that works really well. 30% of that works okay. 20% really doesn't work at all. That was math, by the way. Cool, good job. But I, I, here's the thing, I don't really like Conjuring 2, but I do appreciate it. You know, mm-hmm. like it's, it's, it is a fun sort of ride you can watch with some friends. And there's definitely watching it with Shannon was a lot of fun. <laughs> I enjoyed that. Well, yeah. So it's definitely number just three. Enjoying if you want, if my you can watch fear. It with <laughs> but it's just not my kind yeah. of movie. That's the thing. It's like The Curse of La Llorona, what that's trying to be, and even what Annabelle Comes Home is trying to be, they're more my types right. of movies. Let's have fun with this or let's go moody mm-hmm. with this. Conjuring 2 is like, let's fucking scream in your face because I just finished making Fast and Furious movies and blah, blah, blah. It's not my kind of movie, but I do appreciate it. I think it's more successful at what it's trying to do than those other mm-hmm. two films. And then you have my top two movies, which not only will I go back to them, but I will recommend them to people. So these are movies, you know, which I would say to people, you should see these films. And these two, again, we're in the same two, yeah. all three of us. Really fucking hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really hard. Because my yep. gut is Annabelle Creation is my favorite. That's my mm. gut. But... The yeah. reality is when I think about it, when I think about future me walking around in the world, looking back on the decade, collecting like what's what as I will definitely do if I'm lucky enough to still be alive at that point, putting down my list of my favorite horror films from 2010 to 2020. Annabelle Creation will be one that really I think sticks out and I want to fight for because I think it's sort of a hidden mm-hmm. gem. You know, it's not that hidden, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's like it's kind of an underdog in a way, you know, and I think it did. It did so well with that. But The Conjuring, even with its problems, that's one that's going to be on that list mm-hmm. for sure. That's one where I'm like, no, you have to check out The Conjuring. You just have to. Uh, for all the things that you, that you guys have already said. So for me, it is Annabelle creation at number two and then The Conjuring at number one. But it is a close mm-hmm. call. I think two. you're yeah. right, though, that I just think The Conjuring does a little so. bit off the beaten path, though. Like, there's not really any stars in Annabelle creation now that I think about it. No. Mm-hmm. Exactly, which really makes me want to back it yeah, more. Yeah. But The Conjuring just like, oh, that's just, all I have to do is think about that bit where she falls down to the basement mm-hmm. and then the lady who's like ripped her face Ugh. open is behind her and turns her head slowly and then suddenly she's screaming in her face. And like, mm-hmm. there's a succession of just nightmarish imagery in that film. I'm like, no, this is a classic. Ugh. It is. Like, again, not quite, sorry, I said I wouldn't use that word. It's like, you know, a minor <laughs> classic. It's not quite The Shining. It's not, you know, uh, the thing or anything like that but it is an important movie um, and i think it's a great movie i really do a fun film so there you go 
those are our lists. Those are our findings. All shockingly similar. Yeah. Um, but please, beyond anything else, remember two things with this episode. Number one is be nice to animals. And number two is burn any copy of Insidious, the last key that you find. And Annabelle. Um, I don't mind if you're in a store and you have to like purchase it to buy it. It's worth the money to get it off of the face of the earth so no one else can be mm-hmm. polluted. But take it out of the store. We don't believe in arson. Yeah, no, do it in a safe, respective, you know, like a metal bin. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Is that you meant to burn things? Yeah. yeah. Just like the Nazis did. Oh, my God. I got dark. No, uh, no, I took about when they did book burnings. And oh, they yeah. did them respectively in like yeah. metal bins. I don't know. Don't know how they yeah. did it. Nightmarish. Mm-hmm. Um, Alex, now, very quickly, we've still got two more wrap up oh things. We need to fucking get going. Now, I have from that supercut of all the spooky things. I have a total jump count. Now, I have a jump count for each film and then the total jumps that were a possibility for Shannon to have been involved with throughout this series. I've got all the numbers. The problem is I only have up until, I just realized this as I was talking, I only have up until the end of Curse of La Rona because obviously Mm -hmm. we haven't included Annabelle Come Home. Can you subtract her jumps from Annabelle Come Home from Shannon's total jump count? Is that possible? Fine if I have (laughs) to. Because otherwise we can't do a comparison. Okay, fine. So while he's doing that very quickly, The Conjuring, I've got 28 it. jumps were possible for you there, yep. Shannon. Annabelle, apparently only 13 jumps were possible for you. I feel maybe oh, really? you just did that. I, uh, I The Conjuring 2. Yeah, so technic- yeah. <laughs> technically, <laughs> so, so your point before, we'll get to it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. The Conjuring 2, 31 jumps were possible for you. Mm-hmm. Annabelle Creation, 31 jumps also. The Nun had 22 jumps just waiting mm-hmm. for you. And A Curse of La Rona, 27 jumps just nestling up next yeah. year so your total jump possibility before annabelle comes home was 152 that's what the internet is telling us is the max amount of jumps that you mm-hmm. could have had uh-huh. throughout this series 152 alex how close did she come to that so minus annabelle shannon got 136 <laughs> no wait, 100 yeah 136 no 100 no 134 i was off by 18 <laughs> That is impressive. So that sounds like the, you let know me, what? Um, Shannon, let me you quickly like you compare the numbers here too. So <laughs> Conjuring, yeah, had twenty-eight scares. You, Shannon, got fifteen scares. Mm-hmm. So pretty up. low. Yeah. Annabelle, Annabelle had thirteen jump scares. You had fourteen <laughs> jump scares. So technically, up out of nowhere. it did its job and should have been ranked much guess, higher in your ranking. I guess. I, I listen. I gave it another scare for some reason. Someone probably like closed the door and I jumped at it. Conjuring two had thirty-one jump scares. Mm-hmm. You got twenty-two. Mm-hmm. Annabelle Creation had thirty-one. You got twenty-nine, which was your all-time yeah, highest. That was your highest. Very close. You only missed out on two jumps. The nun, the nun had twenty-two. You got twenty-three. <laughs> <laughs> so that should have also been a little bit higher in your <laughs> rankings. And Layorona had twenty-seven, and you got sixteen. Oh. Mm, getting mm-hmm. braver. Getting get, braver. Thank yeah, you, Alex, for keeping yeah. chart of those throughout. That has been appreciated. If Shannon ever returns, which she won't, but she will for these because I'm um, contractually obligated. You are. And what does that mean? So obviously the Crooked Man they've been trying to do for a while. The Nun 2 is going to happen. But the thing that we know is happening is The Conjuring 3. In 2016, one said, oh, there could be many more movies, Shannon. He may have said Shannon, I'm not sure. Because the Warrens have so many stories. 
He said back then in 2016 that if they were lucky enough to do a third one, that he'd like to take it to a place in the 1980s and he would love to include lycanthropy. The Warrens set against the backdrop of the Baskervilles. So the werewolf that basically ends up in Annabelle comes ah. home. No! <laughs> However, in 2017, producer Peter Safran stated that it would be unlikely that the third installment would be a haunted house film, which seemed to give more fire to it could be, indeed, the Baskerville. No! In June 2017, it was announced to be in development. The Conjuring 2 writers would return, uh, and James Wan was going to co-write the story. Bloody disgusting. Got an exclusive in December 2018 that James Wan told them, quote, It's not necessarily based on an artifact, but it's based on one of the Warrens' case files. The spin-offs are where we get to have fun and do weird and wonderful crazy things. But the mothership, we want to come back to the real stuff. End quote. He confirmed that a plot is about a man on trial claiming he was possessed at the time of the murder. He said, it's this guy who was on trial for committing murder. I think it's the first time in America's yeah. history where a defendant used possessions as a reason or as an excuse. Now, to be clear... Isn't that the Amityville? No, 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 we'll see. To be clear, this doesn't mean that it's not going to include werewolves mm-hmm. still. It's entirely possible. Uh, Vera Farmiga was then been quoted recently as saying, Conjuring 3 is coming and it will be a doozy. It will be big. So for me, visiting these characters in Annabelle Comes Home, it's like practicing your scales and doing a few arpeggios before having to dive deep into the next one. Because the next one is massive. Oh, God. Oh God. Patrick Wilson said, Conjuring 3 will be different than anything we've oh seen. Oh, God. I fun. will have two guitar solos. <laughs> it's just him in concert <laughs> for four hours. <laughs> Michael Chaves is taking directing duties. Uh, Juan said that his ability to bring emotion to a story and his understanding of mood and scares make him a perfect fit to direct the next Conjuring movies. And it will hit cinemas on September the 11th in 2020. That's when we'll be going to see it, guys. September (sighs) the 11th. Hopefully we can get into a preview night on September the 10th. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That'll be more comfortable. On 2020. 20. Um, I know some people have come out after La Rona and been like, he was a terrible directing decision for this. I think it's... Even if you don't like Laurana, I think I'm very interested in him yeah. doing The Conjuring 3. I think he'll be a cool director. Yeah. I'm interested in them doing something a bit different. Um, and that's set up to do with the guy who was on trial. I am not interested at all in any werewolf bullshit. Yeah, the guy that's on trial, I think, is really interesting. That terrifies me more because that seems beyond, like, spookies, you know, if you believe in them or don't or anything like that. But somebody using that as a defense to be a serial killer or whatever this storyline is, is terrifying. Yes. Alex has died. I agree. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, I mentioned werewolf and he just switched off inside. Yeah, it's like, I'm out. No, I'm actually sitting here sweating profusely. <laughs> it is hot. really hot. Yeah, me too. <laughs> LA's a lot hotter. Sweating. Although we should say in England yesterday is much hotter than it is in LA. Much hotter. It was the hottest in the record of England. Well, yesterday. good for England. God. Yeah, and they don't even have any AC equipped yeah. anywhere. Not even in fucking anything. Anyway, that is the Conjuring Universe, guys. Woo, we did the it. Uh, for now. The book is not closed, Shannon. The chapters will keep on coming. Don't worry. <laughs> At least annually, we will be revisiting this one for the rest of your life. And we'll, uh, we'll, uh, people, I'm just going to leave that going quiet. I will be quiet. You can keep doing that and then people can use it as a reference. Oh, great. Great. Perfect. (laughs) 
Just, uh, you can... <laughs> that should be the first official weird engagement time. Just, just me Shannon crying. crying. Yeah. Uh, you can tweet at me at MyFaveShannon or Instagram me as Shannon Hollander and uh, let me know if you'd like a weeping Shannon ringtone. <laughs> We should do that. Our first, our first text sound should be uh, Nate R.I.P. <laughs> doing Bioshock. Yeah, definitely. Alex, where can people interfere with you? Uh, interfere with me on Instagram and Twitter at um, Alexander Chard. And I'm Mr. Alway on everything, as well as the Xbox. You can uh, follow me and bug me and do all that stuff. You can also support our feature film Starfish by going to wherever you i don't know somewhere voodoo amazon playstation xbox whatever watching it renting it buying it commenting how much you hate it and bringing down a rotten tomato score feel free if you're a top critic out there we could really use you right now rotten tomatoes please give us one more top critic review because then we're certified and i'll be i can die a happy man um but alex i know what you really want to say what you want to say is what the fuck about next week what are we doing next al tell me well is shannon gonna be there that's the question no she's not (laughs) (laughs) that's basically how our conversation went when we offered shannon the next job no um (laughs) no (laughs) alex earlier on Fuck, that was a perfect segue earlier and I've completely lost it. I'll try it. it again. You mentioned something. No! <laughs> that was not the segue. Uh, you mentioned something about the woods earlier and I've forgotten all about it. But anyway, we are going to the woods, my friend. You and I, we're going to be dealing with, starting from next week, the Blair Witch series of movies, which, actually, I'll reveal that in a second. But, uh, we're doing this right now because it's been 20 years, Alex. 20 yep. fucking years since the first Blair Witch movie. Oh, well, yeah. Insane. Isn't that insane? I remember it like yesterday, going to the midnight uh, preview session. So you're going to hear a lot of stories from us because me and Alex, this is a very special film to us. Uh, it means uh, not us as a couple. Al and I first made love while this was playing in the background. We're just to the sounds of Josh! Yeah. Oh, boy. Does that get my engine going? <laughs> um, we got a lot to talk about. Um, but I will say now, well, also actually, Hound, there's a video game coming out in just a few weeks <sighs> called Blair Witch. So that's another reason. 20 years and a video game. We're like, you know what? It's time. Yeah. Now, a problem we'd had before was we used to think, oh, shit, but there's only three of these movies. And then I pointed out, but wait, it's Curse of the Blair Witch, which is yeah. kind of what started it. So we can wrap yeah. that in. Guess what, Alex? I know you don't know all the details yet. I hope you don't do too much research. I want to keep some of it under wraps so I can actually reveal it to you guys week by week. But me, Alexander Chard, and returning Christina Masterson are going to be dealing with six weeks of Blair Witch movies before the seventh episode wrap-up. Alex's face is doing the math and it doesn't add up. <laughs> He's all kinds of confused. See, this is what he six does. Six weeks and then this seven for the wrap-up. He finds some six. random movie that ties in in some dumb way. You got to watch it too. Very <laughs> confused. There are six. And I'll be clear, uh, we could have done seven, but I've actually wrapped two into the same episode. Where uh, are these other ones coming from, Al? <laughs> so don't poke around too much because some of it's going to be fun. To uh, There's one in particular that I think is going to be fun. That I've actually had to do some work on myself and a little bit of editing. What? What? <laughs> <laughs> I've shot my own Blair Witch film. No, I have, but all will be explained. I will say this is going to be the weirdest franchise we've ever covered at the Weird Geeks Horror Show. And the reason for that is exactly this. Like there are all these fake, or are they, documentaries 
to do with the Blair Witch. Ah. And they come from many different places. And we're gonna it's gonna be very hard how to cover them because they're not gonna be normal let's go scene by scene. Because that doesn't really work in those contexts. But we're going to figure it out. I think the episodes are going to probably be much shorter. Um, other than the core ones. Uh, so there are the three core, obviously. And then three non-core, I guess. But one of them I would claim is very core. Oh my get god. <sighs> I'm very excited now. Get there. I am super excited. I've had to rebuy all of the journals and dossiers, the comic books. There's a lot ah, of yeah. out there. God. Like all of the shit. I've been listening to Josh's soundtrack. I am in it. And when we do the first episode, I might actually have to give you and Christina a few bits to read so you can go and do a little extra, little extra curricula. Sounds a, like fun for you. <laughs> we are going to let you go now. Alf into the wilderness. Goodbye. Goodbye. Uh, we goodbye. will see you next year for The Conjuring 3. Probably nothing before no, then. No, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, is there anything else we need to say? I don't think so. Thank you very much for listening to us. If you have. Please do come back next week for the Blow Witch because I'm super fucking excited. Do it. One. And yeah, we'll be back then. Until then, we're out. Geeks. Geeks. Geeks.